Welcome to Steam Powered Scoundrels, a Malifaux podcast. Today's episode is the Guild Faction Primer. And welcome to Steam Powered Scoundrels. I'm your host, Doug, and with me today is a man called Robert Singer. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell, yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself, Robert? Yeah, thanks for having me, Doug. Uh, I am from Indianapolis, Indiana, and um, I'm the, well, henchmen don't exist any longer, at least <laughs> in the way we used to know, but I am the local uh, hench person for uh, the central Indiana area. So I do a lot of, uh, run a lot of tournaments and things like that, at least in the before times. Still some painting events and things like that for my local community. And a lot of play tests and other things like that for Weird in the past. And so I've been playing, uh, play a lot of factions in Malifaux. Guild was one of my, my first factions, um, dating back to, to 1E, Sonya and Lady J. But I also play Arcanus and McCabe. Or sorry, Arcanus and uh, Thunders, and um, just all you, you may have heard me on other podcasts talking about McCabe, and then I also play um, a little bit of Neverborn, and at least will be very much looking forward to diving headfirst into uh, Explorers eventually, because I have in both Guild and Thunders our two current Explorers uh, dual faction masters. So. Okay, and I already cra- screwed this up by not going over what we're doing today. Hey, we're doing the Guild Primer. Um, this will be the fourth of a series of eight, well, technically eight. Eventually, it's going to be eight. Where us scoundrels go over every model in a faction to try to sell you on that faction and those keywords and those models. If you're interested in getting into the game for the first time or looking to switch to a different faction or just a different keyword, hopefully we can interest you with how cool these models are and what they do, and I hope you get a little bit of entertainment and fluff knowledge along with it as well. So, are you ready, Robert? I sure am. Awesome. Okay, the first keyword we're going to get into for the guild. Did I say it was a guild? Did I say it was a guild? Yeah. Okay. I'm so still I'm asking Victoria too. She's sitting here quietly. Enjoying her arc nikes. Um <laughs> She needs all those pandas, folks. Okay. This is the faction. This is this is sort of the baseline which every other faction is kind of compared to. Cause these are the guys that are quote unquote technically running the show here. The guild um, is the oldest human faction in the, in Malifaux, in that they came about during the Black Powder Wars, which happened after the first breach closing. If none of this makes any sense to you, go ahead and go check out our fluff primer, because otherwise, if I go into all the details about Malifaux history, we're going to be here for, well, as long as it would be if I was talking to Roman or Nate. Now... The guild quickly gained power and basically became the one ruling power over all of Earth, with some exceptions. Full name being the Guild of Mercantilers. Instead of ruling with, you know, massive amounts of troops, they basically ruled with the money pouch. They kept Iron Fist over the Soulstone trade and basically used it to bribe, coerce, and uh, command all the other powers around the world. And while they did have their own fighting forces, mostly through manipulations of the money sort. So when the breach reopened in 1896, I want to say around that time, 
Man, I wish I used to be more confident in this information. Around that, give or take a few years, the guild was the one to re-invade Malifaux, establish a government, and start up the mining soul stones again. Hooray! And this time, unlike the last one, which is all about, you know, freedom of people and power and being able to do what you want and sort of a new renaissance era guild wasn't gonna have any of that it's just there to make money and so it doesn't really care about the people that it uses to make said money so instead of bringing in all the smart wealthy artistic talented folks from earth side just brings over a bunch of prisoners and layabouts and you know people it can abuse really really easily abuse and abuse them they did and through that we get the Arcanists, so the Arcanists are because of the Guild, and because of the Guild going back to Malifaux in the first place, the Neverborn are fighting back, so this is how we get the Neverborn, and if the Guild didn't go back into Malifaux, we wouldn't have people re-resurrecting all that particular kind of magic, so, you know, all thanks to the Guild, and if they weren't so such big jerks, you know, if you don't toe the line, you're not with us, that's creating the outcasts, and... Well, the the gremlins were always there. I guess I'd under- argue the thunders uh, would would probably exist there regardless as well. Oh, no, actually, the thunders is partially due to because of the guild's current war with the three kingdoms. That's, That's true. Which I believe the boxer rebellion is partially due to the rise uh, was partially responsible for the rise of the Katanaka clan. I think. Yeah, it's everything is the guild's That's fault. But hey, they're not technically the worst. The great thing about Malifaux is that every faction has its positive points and every faction has its negative points. The good thing about the guild is, you know, at least part of it is actually concerned with protecting the people, even if it's just so that those people can make the money. So we have some keywords that are specifically built around... The the interesting thing about the guild faction is most of the keywords are built around specific departments in the guild. The guild is the government. Government has departments. So you've got, you know, the regular police, the special zombie police, the special wizard police, the people tasked with just lying as much as possible. You've also got the bureaucrats. Yes. You've got also the, the Neverborn hunters. So, every master in this keyword is the head of their own department, with the exception of two, um, them being Nelly and Bass. I don't know, you, they could probably create some sort of like frontier department that Bass could be the head of, but Bass is more or less being blackmailed into his position, and Nelly is just a bit too crazy even for the guild, so the person that actually runs the propaganda department is someone a lot more sane. More stable. More stable. But... That's, yeah, I think that's a relatively close explanation of, of the guild fluff. Yeah, I think uh, I, if you were to boil it down, they are, you know, they're the, the local Earthside government, think East India Trading Company, but in charge of soul stones instead. Instead and of opium bloating, and tea. Yeah, and bloating to the size of uh, being its own kind of internal and external government. Yeah. So, with a, with a dash of, uh, with a dash of, imperialism colonialism and fascism hooray okay now we'll talk about the martial keyword the martial keyword is specific of the death martial department of the guild the death martial hands the necromancers this is sort of the quote-unquote anti-reser keyword and then i'll i'll say this now if you think that like the guild is for some reason like super overpowered because they have these fluff 
dedicated uh, masters towards beating specific factions. That's not the truth, really. There might be just a little bit of an advantage there, but really they generalize the tactics and abilities so that these masters can be played against other factions and do well, and also do poorly against the factions that they're supposed to be beating. It's it's almost strictly fluff, so I, I just say that because I recall hearing on a podcast somewhere some people talking about Malifaux and someone made that generalization and then people were like, oh, that's awful, that game's dumb. And I wanted to slap those people, but I couldn't because they were on a podcast. Yes. I kind of could play. Interestingly enough, and we'll get into it when we talk a little bit about the gameplay, but uh, the, the Marshall keyword, I would say, is probably the only keyword that is, you know, sort of a anti, right? Like a, a counter to resers. They're the only ones that are counter to something that actually you probably would play into that faction a lot. They're not going to, you know, go and just stomp everything into the ground. They just have a lot built into it that really does counter that better than, like, some of the other sort of guild counter picks do, mm-hmm. I think. But only certain resers as well. Yes. Yep. Okay. The Death Marshals are run by A1 Lady Justice. She is the lovely blindfolded swordswoman that you see often uh, used a lot in Malifaux Media. I would almost call her a, a bit of a poster girl for the game. Her box is always the one I pointed towards people like, hey, that's that's, that's how Malifaux is. Get people slinging guns and swords and burning skulls and coffins. Oh my. But, yeah, that's the marshals. They hunt the dead of Malifaux, and they are led by Lady Justice. Why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about how she plays, Robert? So, Lady Justice herself, probably one of, up there, probably with Dix or Nekama, is one of the, the more aggressive melee beater masters in the game. So... In your gaming, if you like uh, a master or a, a big beefy character who's going to just, you know, wholesale murder things, Lady J is the one to go to. So uh, the big thing with her is she's got a big great sword that has min three damage and huge range of two inches, and she can generate extra attacks with some of, one of her triggers, um, and she can throw out stunned and a few other things, crit strike, like all guild things that we've been talking about crit strike is big but the big thing for her is that with the greatsword um if she has not charged she gets a plus to the damage flip which is really 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 nice to make sure that she's you know getting uh hard into the the kill for um uh, a lot of models and so she can go and take on really big beefy stuff but how do you do that well she's got leap and leap is kind of the other big part of her game which is a bonus action that lets her uh get some extra movement um, she can get a trigger off that to get, generate an extra attack. So when you play uh, smart with her positioning-wise, turn two, turn three, you can end up getting up to um, four or more attacks with her with having only had to have leapt rather than charged or walked to get into the melee. She also can do some mask condition removal with her Restore the Natural Order action. Um, this can be super helpful with her group. And if since she is the, you know, as we've talked about fluff-wise, she's kind of the anti-reser. A lot of reser uh, factions, you know, whether it's um, Kirai or McMorning, you know, they throw out a lot of conditions, right? So she's really good at uh, helping the rest of her crew get rid of some of those conditions. Hitting her is difficult because she's hard to wound. Uh, she can't ever gain distracted. Her defensive trigger is a counterattack, where again she basically gets to make a sword, her great sword damage flip against uh, another model uh, who attacks her in melee. 
she also, whenever she kills uh, something, she uh, all martial models within uh, six inches gain focus. She also heals whenever she kills a model, and uh, she also, and this is the big one, uh, especially if you're fighting against um, Rezzers, you know, and, and fitting in with the theme there, but also when she's going up against somebody like, you know, uh, Hoffman or other construct-heavy crews, which is that uh, models don't drop any markers when killed by her. So even things like Gammon, who all have, you know, a demise that drops a marker, they don't drop anything. Uh, so she has a lot of tech to her beyond just you know, being a murder machine. Uh, she also has a self heal. She also has a self heal. So if she does get stuck into like a big combat, she also has Juggernaut, which I, I always find is one of the better uh, healing actions in the game because all it takes is just discarding a card uh, with a cheatable damage or a cheatable healing flip. Um, and then she also has a, a pretty uh, decent ranged attack that can um, really swing things in her favor, the crew's favor, uh, which is called Decay, and it's got. I think it's eight inches as the range, but there's no gun, which makes it a little bit easier to, to fire into, um, you know, for instance, firing into other combats, things like that. And it also has, you know, it's got a, a blast on every single one of the damage track. It's two, two, three. Uh, but the big thing and the reason why you do it is uh, because it throws out injured. Because oh, uh, anybody, anybody damaged by it throws out injured. And so it makes everything easier to hit if everybody has injured on them. So there are a lot of, you know, generally you're going to be swinging her great sword, but there are some some neat tech things that, you know, if you're looking for higher level play that she can really bring to the table. So ultimately she is a mobile fighter, but uh, unlike some of the other mobile fighters that you've seen in, in the game, Karis is one that I'm thinking of, <laughs> you know, uh, Lady Justice packs a, a ton of bricks along with the mobility. All right. Okay. Uh, she is bringing along the Scales of Justice as her totem for free. The Scales is a lovely man that has been condemned to death and has been, you know, co-opted to come along with Justice to uh, mete out some judgment upon the bad people she is killing. I'm not, I have yet to see in the fluff any point in time where she'll stop her murder spree to judge someone, but I'm sure she does it. Because why else would she have this guy? He doesn't bring a ton to the table, but he's a free totem, so you bring him for free. He's got a couple nice auras, putting damage on people. If they cheat near him, you can set up another one where they have to discard a card to cheat. If you hit him on his defense, uh, he'll do damage back to you that you put on him. So, um, all in all, a decent little model. Yeah, uh, especially considering he's significant as well. Oh, oh yeah. Cost too significant model. Jeez. So you're using them for scheming. Is that, is that what you're... Uh... I, I, I have, depending on the situation. Yes, yes. I have. I, I've scored points with Scales of Justice, and it feels great when you do. <laughs> I'm sure more than one person is like, wait, what? He's insignificant, right? Not anymore. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, a lot of people bringing over bias are just memories from 2nd edition. You just gotta unlearn that crap. All right, uh, what do we got for henchmen? So for henchmen, we have uh, the judge. The, the fluff for the judge. The judge is the second judge we know of. First one being, um, I guess would qualify as Justice's boyfriend from first and second edition, but he done got shot in the head and died. So this is Judge 2.0. And yeah, basically right-hand man and the 
stability for justice who gets a can get a little uh murder crazy a bit she can get carried away slightly it's righteous though so the judge is um also a much in the vein of lady J. uh she is also a pretty brutal uh melee character uh not as mobile as lady J is but she can still you know uh get around especially with some you know help from other models but Overall, what she does is she she brings a little bit more tankiness while also being very deadly. So she, uh, like all the martial models, they, she has unnatural vigor, which is the the thing that you know when she kills a model, uh, she heals and final repose. So when she kills a model, they don't drop markers. Uh, but she also has hard to wound and hard to kill. So she's going to be hard to take out herself, especially at ten uh, ten health. She has an enchanted katana with a, a built-in trigger. So if she, the built-in triggers that if she kills the enemy model, then she adds a soul stone to the crew soul stone pool. So when she kills things, they're not dropping markers. She heals too, and she gains a soul stone for the crew, which is pretty awesome. Uh, she can also generate new attacks with her quick reflexes trigger. Uh, she has a gun. Uh, you're not going to use it terribly often, but I have used it. You know, everybody in guild has a gun, so you're going to use it at some point. Um, she does have a, a trigger on the gun that is um, undead only, um, which basically just throws out adversary Marshall um, and then does a and then pushes her towards the model that she's shot at. More importantly, and what separates the judge from just being a, a regular beater henchman is that she's got two really interesting bonus actions. One of them is an attack called Crumble Away, which is essentially kind of like a, a you know some kind of magical attack to. Uh, you know, make undead disintegrate essentially. So targets willpower, and no matter who the target is, they suffer two damage and gain staggered. But if the target is undead, they actually suffer two, four, five damage, ignoring hard to wound, hard to kill, and they gain staggered. So um, it's a nifty little thing, little extra attack that you can get in to be really aggressive. But most of the time, you're going to use her risk of reason bonus action, which basically lets you uh, choose a number between one and three. And you reveal that number of cards from your fate deck. And if you have any tomes, you're going to take two irreducible damage for those tomes. Otherwise, you draw all the other revealed cards. Pretty good for helping out with a little bit of a card uh, generation. Because uh, it can get a little card intensive in the Lady J crew and, and any of these guild crews. Because there's, for the most part, not a ton of card generation. So uh, overall, the Judge is a really good uh, piece. I, I see her in most Lady J lists that... I face off against or that I've played myself, especially because if you throw on the leadline coat upgrade, she's incredibly difficult to kill. So any of those scenarios where you, you need to keep a model alive and do some killing yourself, uh, she's really good. Uh, next up is the jury, her other henchman. Notice a the theme. We have judge, jury, and sadly the executioners are in a different crew. However, the jury is more of a utility piece versus judges primarily punching this. Um, jury, for fluff reasons, used to be kind of, I guess still is, the lawyer for the Death Marshals and was locked up in uh, awful bureaucracy for all of 2nd edition, but or for most of 2nd edition. But now she's back on the case, back on the street, hunting down the undead with Justice and Judge and the Marshals, and she brings some pretty wicked stuff. All right, jury brings uh, more Aras, hooray, one for hurting, uh, making opponents discard to concentrate and another one that turns off or it just doesn't turn off 
Um, another one that removes suits from a dual total if the enemy cheats within six of her. Another thing that happens when she just activates, she deals out a bunch of damage to buried and summoned models. If they have an up summon upgrade on them, they'll take damage. If they're buried, they'll take damage. If they're buried and they have a summon upgrade on, they'll take extra damage. So Dreamer hates this. Terra hates this. And last, or at least for the front of the card, she has the same defensive trigger that the Skills of Justice does, but hers isn't built into either defense or willpower that deals damage back to whoever's hurting her. The back of the card, she's got sharp wits, she can hand out slow. Ancient Words is her primary attack, as far as actually, like, hurting people. This is a magic thing, she can do it in close combat, can do it at range, has an instant kill on undead models, so more uh, anti-necromancy thing there. As well as an Obey, which is really nice, because it's the stat 6 and it has the suit built in that it needs. So as long as she's got an 8, she can make it go off on a friendly model, and a decent high card will almost definitely make it go off against an enemy model. Awesome. Last but not least, another key interesting thing here is called False Accusation. It's a bonus action. She can turn it in, basically make an, an enemy model undead. So... Hello. And we'll get to why that's important. It's very well. I mean, just on her own card, that she can then hit it with the ancient words and instantly kill it. So that's good. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's an execute trigger, but specifically for undead only. So they have to discard a card or a soul stone or instantly die. It's really nice. Okay, let's get into enforcer singular. Singular. So yeah, so they we've got the lone marshal. Best uh, so best story. Best story. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> okay, maybe not best story, but like up there. One of my favorites, if not my favorite, is the Lone Marshall story from Chronic. I don't remember which Chronicles it was, but um, do you know his fluff at all? I need a refresher. Okay, there are two different kinds of fluff. Initially, the the Lone Marshall that we get from the story was a marshal that was exiled from the Marshals for some reason, and. He, I guess, goes out into the Badlands and just sort of tries to repent for whatever he did wrong. But now this version is, like, the marshal that has overcome the taint caused by the necromancy that the marshals use and is a shining example of what a marshal should be to the other marshals. So maybe there is a bit of story there. It's the same person. He eventually came back to the death marshals, and now he's sort of celebrated as, like, one of the best of their own. But he plays considerably different than all the other marshals. How does he play? Uh, he is incredibly fast and plays as a skirmishing sniper is the best way to uh, to describe him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he and he's also, but also fitting with a lot of the models in the crew. He's also really hard to kill because he's got high high defenses across the board. He's got uh, seven move. Um, he's hard to wound. Uh, he has all the the you know the unnatural figure thing, um, but he's also ruthless. Um, he is unimpeded, so he can get wherever he needs to go. And he's got run and gun, which means that he can uh, do shoot actions instead of claw or melee actions when he charges. So why that's important is that he's got a really awesome long carbine, fourteen inch, stat seven gun that ignores concealment and so he's going to get off some really powerful two four five damage shots and and really disrupt the opponent um, especially because one of his triggers can uh, force you to discard a card he's also got the critical strike trigger he's got trampling hooves which is a a zero inch range melee attack and it's okay but the best part about it is that it automatically hands out injured again so another kind of recurring theme with a lot of the the 
martial models is that injured gets handled out quite quite frequently. Um, and then his bonus action allows him to throw staggered out into somebody. It's the startle bonus action. But most of the time, really, what you're going to see is you're going to see him, you know, moving and and charging or charging and shooting and getting multiple shots off while still getting around the board a great deal. So he'll scheme a little bit, but he'll also kill specific targets for you. And again, fitting in with the anti-reser thing, that ruthless is, is a big deal. Okay, on to the minions. First up, the what I would consider probably the most iconic minion in the game, the Death Marshal, which is the cheapest character in keyword that Lady Justice can bring. These are the Ghost Rider-looking cowboys with the coffins on their back, wielding a big old pistol with a bayonet on it. They're really, really cool-looking. This definitely is very fluffy and represents the the fluff behind the Death Marshals. They have the undead keyword instead of living. Check that out. Got hard to wound and hard to kill, just like undead models quite often do. But they also get powered up by having undead models around them, getting fast if one's within six inches of them. Back of their cards, relatively simple. It's just representative of their two iconic weapons, the guild's Peace Springer, the big old gun with a bayonet on it. You can stab him with it, or you can shoot him with it. Or you can break out the pine box, the coffin on his back, and you can basically shove models into the ether. Hitting them with it will bury them, and then you have several shenanigans throughout the crew that will be able to screw with those models that were just buried. Last but not least, a very interesting... A, a very useful one, but when you're not going to always be doing off, it's their shrug off, they discard a card, and they can end a condition on themselves. So, all in all, a pretty, pretty tough little guy. So, how do we make death marshals? <laughs> you recruit them, of course. <laughs> Segway. So, the, the death marshal recruiter is a, uh, basically, it's a bigger, beefier version of the death marshal uh weirdly they they have uh, their back of card abilities are very similar they've got you know peace bringer braylade they've got the peace bringer you know ranged attack they've got the pine box um and they've got shrug off so the difference is that they have way cooler or just in general sometimes actual triggers on each of those (laughs) attacks um so like i said they're they're the better beefier versions of them um what what separates them ultimately though is that they've got some really crazy front card abilities so you know what they do share is that they have hard to wound and they have unnatural vigor but um, the bigger, crazier thing with them is that they can target models that are buried uh, with actions, ignoring range and line of sight, which means that any of their attack actions, they can just, you know, so if one of your regular death marshals goes and buries a model, they the death marshal recruiter can then just, like, lay into the model that has been buried, uh, which is pretty cool. But you can also see why a Terra player or a Colette player or you know, Dreamer would actually really hate seeing these guys because <laughs> their bearing is like one of their key mechanics of like how they get around and kind of protect their models and death marshals are just like, nope, I see you. Uh, and now see this big gun in your face. So in addition to that though, they they also have an ability uh, called One Foot Toward the Grave. Basically any friendly marshals that activate in a three inch aura around them push up to two inches towards a corpse marker undead model in their line of sight so that's pretty neat gets a little bit of extra movement again it's one of those abilities that really is like a, a fluffy like you know anti-reser type ability but it does it does pay off sometimes um uh with the crew so and then last but not least and one of the big reasons a lot of folks will take the death marshal recruiter 
is because they basically get a uh, replace when they die, uh, when uh, when they die, or when another living minion within five inches of them dies. That is called grim recruitment. Uh, basically, after another living minion within five is killed, uh, the death marshal recruiter can discard a card, and if they do so, they replace uh, the killed model with a death marshal, and then the new death marshal heals too. What's neat about that is that the death this it's an aura, so it counts for the recruiter as well. So if the recruiter gets killed, he can turn into a death marshal. If a death marshal gets killed, he can be turned into a new death marshal. Or if literally any minion in guild that you take into the crew dies, you can turn it into a death marshal. Well, you can't you can't turn a death marshal into another death marshal. They're only undead. Oh, that's right. They are only undead. So. Probably so you couldn't just constantly cycle them. Probably so you probably couldn't cycle them. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, but it, literally any other minion. So, all right. Next up is very. <laughs> I love these guys. They're so great looking. The Domador de Cadavares. These are Spanish necromancers from Spain. They got ported over from uh, Earthside by the new Governor General in hopes to shut away the Grave Spirit and basically turn off all of the necromancers in Malifaux. That didn't go very well, and a lot of them died, but the rest of them that were still alive kind of decided they would hang out with Lady Justin to help her out. These guys, pretty kooky, absolutely wonderful models, and they've got some interesting stuff. For one, they consider all enemy living models within five inches of them as undead. Not just them, everyone else in the crew considers them undead. So all this stuff about specifically fighting undead suddenly can be applied to anything that's within five inches of a Domador. So they're pretty darn useful. Got that lovely decay attack that Justice had, so they're putting out some blast. They can hit anything that's near them or away, six inches, nice. Excuse me, can heal friendly models that are living instead of damaging them if they so choose. It's built in. They also have an Obey that's specifically only able to target undead. Lo and behold, your death marshals are undead. Any enemy model within five inches is undead. So you have a decent, another statted Obey in here. It's only staff five, but still, you can get it off, and you only need a seven to convey it, to, con- to obey a friendly undead model. So plenty of use out of that. Can hand out a little bit of injured on a bonus action, and... Yeah, the draw draw essence is a way to sort of pulse out a little bit of damage and heal too. Uh, one one note about Command Corpse also is that uh, two other undead that exist in Guild that are versatile but not martial, but you'll see them a lot in a martial crew are either the Brutal Emissary or the Pale Rider, um, and it's because of Command Corpse. Oh yeah, awesome. All right, what's our last? Our last is one of my favorite minions as far as just the look and honestly, <laughs> how, and honestly how they play. It's very rare that you you always get you know that perfect combination of like fluffy and good, and they feel the way they're supposed to on the table. Uh, but that's exorcists; they totally feel the way they're supposed to on the table. So cool. exorcists are um, uh, again; they've got you know some typical stuff from uh, the the crew, which you know the unnatural vigor, hard to wound. Uh, they also are ruthless. Uh, they also have the t- take damage within five that the uh, jury has for mm-hmm. uh, models that are summoned within uh, five inches of it uh, suffer two damage. Um, it has gunfighter, so it can take its shoot actions as a melee one action. The reason that's important is that their uh, main attack is their sanctified crossbow, which 
number one, it ignores friendly fire. Number two, it ignores incorporeal and hard to wound. It also has several triggers, two of which target undead specifically. One of them is uh, the Into Dust. It's the undead execute, essentially. Another one is essentially puts adversary out uh, and pushes the exorcist towards the target. And then finally, there's Exorcism, which is an anti-summoner trigger, which uh, is basically it's a summon execute as well. Except this one, there's just nothing you can do about it. If it's got a summon upgrade, it's going to die. It just dies. Uh, just die. So it's it's a really, really, really great tech piece, uh, an anti-summon tech piece especially, not just against undead. He also has false acquisition, which is the one that you know makes something undead. And on that one, multiple triggers, including the ability to take the action again, or to <laughs> make the target that just uh, failed to save uh, discard a card or suffer three damage. So uh, some really nasty tricks on the Exorcist. Um, and then finally, it's got a, a ability called Final Rest, uh, another bonus action. Uh, this is its tactical, and basically it's a four-inch pulse that removes uh, scrap and corpse markers with it in range. And he then heals based on that. So it's a it's a it's a cool he's a cool model he does a lot of uh a lot of tricky stuff a lot of sniping a lot of being a thorn in the side for for six cost uh model all right that is the marshall keyword next up after the marshall keyword is the family keyword and these are the neverborn hunters headed up by perdita ortega and true to the keyword most of the models in this keyword are the ortega family a lot of named models and uh, just a few just a few minions to sort of uh spruce that and you know give you a few bodies to you know throw into the fire and die painfully as we said before she runs the Neverborn Hunters. She hunts them Neverborns. Real done good. She joined, came to Malfoy nearly around when the Breach was created as a teenager and just made a name for herself uh, hunting down Neverborn. Specifically, I think Nephilim's really her thing more than any of the other Neverborn. Although, you know, they are the, the Neverborn Hunters. She's only really pictured as hunting Nephilim. But the other kind of Neverborn are a little bit harder to, you know, track down and just shoot with bullets. So... Another one of those characters is like, hey, what she's doing is probably pretty good. The sort of dark side of it is the fact that this is still their land, their reality, and humans are invading it. So maybe we shouldn't be trying to kill them. But, you know, they're trying to kill us too. So, you know. And also the fact that her totem is kind of an enslaved Nephilim. And there not, is... Not even kinda. Kind of. It's literally the name. <laughs> So you know, a bit of a bit of gray area, even for uh, people hunting the things that go bump in the night. But do you, is there any sort of like f you know fluffy things about the family you wanna you wanna mention first before we get into each individual model? Uh, I, I'd say just really in general that they've got some really great stories, and I, I would encourage everybody to go out and, and read the fluff. And I don't want to spoil any of the storylines with them too much but mm -hmm. the big thing is that they they are truly a family and so a lot of these uh, a lot of the characters and and uniquely uh similar to with like yan lo this crew really relies on a lot of enforcers and henchmen to do what it needs to do because everybody's kind of unique because they're all the named character so they just have a lot of flavor each one and i think uh you know we can kind of talk about like you know the the flavor of each one is represented highly in how each model plays Yep, and um, this is the shooty shooty bang bang crew. 
Also, the, the the most cowboy of the cowboy faction. Totally. I guess we we call them the cowboy faction, but we're starting to get like a decent amount of cowboy aesthetics and outcasts, and I guess technically uh, explorers now. So, but she's definitely the. At her and Parker are really the two that like scream Wild West out of everyone else. Absolutely. Um, oh, and Bass, of course. Keep forgetting Bass. I apologize for that. It's because he's new. He's the it's new guy. He's the new guy. Pretty has been around for a long time. Yeah, she, she's, I, I'd say, is also one of those more iconic poster children of Malifaux and especially of the guild. So Yep. Which actually can kind of lead me into to play style. So uh, really yeah. what Lady J does for swords and melee combat, Perdita does for guns and gunslinging. She, the, really the big shtick with her is that she ignores virtually all the things that makes shooting difficult. You know, friendly fire, she can use her guns in combat. She and her crew uh, all have an ability called Aporel that basically allows them to get extra activations if they need to. Um, they also have an ability called Provado that basically gets them concentrate, uh, gets them movement when they concentrate. So again, trying to make their shooting as effective as possible. Really, the, the name of the game with Perdita is that with her stat 7 Peacebringer, um, that has great damage track. She's just going to want to shoot first and shoot often. Uh, shoot first mainly because she gets positives to her damage flips against things that have not suffered any wounds yet. So, But really, she's going to just do a lot of shooting. Um, she can do some reactive stuff. She's got a tactical action that kind of lets her... Uh, basically, if somebody comes within a certain range with a charge, she can then interrupt it to, to shoot. You're not going to use it terribly often, but it's nice when it's there. The two really unique things about her outside of just the excellent shooting that she has is that she is she's got a ability to basically just discard her entire hand and then draw a new hand and that one uh, is actually called hero's gamble so it has that whole kind of like gunslinger feel to it and it's a, a free action when she does it and then target practice is an, another kind of unique ability with her where she can basically shoot scheme markers off the board which can be super useful so even though she's uh you know, shooting to kill. Uh, sometimes she'll be uh, shooting some cans off the board to prevent the opponent from scoring. But that's really, I mean, that's it. That's what she does. She wants to uh, get set up and get some focus on her and then just start, you know, blasting things off the board. Yeah. A few other things also have that target practice ability, but she's the only one that can reach out and actually hit that 20 inches, which is insane. Yeah, and I, I guess one other thing is she does have analyzed weakness, so she can get around armor and shielded as needed. However, there's other members of her crew that also, uh, if I recall correctly, do the same thing. So you're rarely going to use her action for it. No, just just shoot things, shoot things, yep. shoot things. Exactly. And she's good at it. So, go on, Dita. Her totem is the enslaved Nephilim. I wonder what that is. Um, this poor little guy, uh, the Ortega's managed to capture him, which is very rare for Nephilim. And it is, from what I can tell, mostly there to activate, draw cards, and every once in a while get off and obey. I mean, it needs a ten and a mask, but it can do it every once in a while. And a little bit of and a little bit of friendly movement. It can push friendly models four inches on a five. Um, has to be away from him, but. A little bit of utility. You're bringing this model all the time because you're, it's a totem. You get him for free. I, up until now, thought that uh, friendly models could treat it as an enemy. I was wrong. I thought, hey, that's that's a good way to make him a little bit better. Just because then you can bravado against it. He is 
an extra activation. All right, let's get into Frank. All right, so uh, do you want to say something fluff-wise about Frank first? Uh, Frank is the brother to Perdita. He is the guy who was initially going to go to Malifaux and make a name for himself until Perdita stole his train ticket. However, he is very stoic and quiet, and he's totally cool with Perdita running the things, and he's your stabby boy and a crew full of shooty boys. Yeah. He, <laughs> that is that. Yeah. Uh, so he, the nice thing with Frank is that he has all the things that you want for a stabby person. He's got a high stat because he's got a status 7. He's got a lot of uh, useful triggers for his sword. He's got flurry, so he's going to get extra attacks. He's got heroic intervention, so he can actually get a decent spot of movement into uh, combat and then push everything else away. He's got a bonus action called finesse that makes everybody else suck at hitting him in melee combat. Uh, He happens to also have a gun and is not terrible at shooting it. And he also has a nice parry trigger that allows him to stab something back basically if they uh you know are attacking him in melee and then uh he's also got a grit ability uh one of the few in the crew to have a grit ability uh basically so when he's at half uh he starts reducing damage by one so uh he's gonna be kind of beefy and, and hang in there he doesn't have a lot of access to healing unfortunately but the nice thing is that he pairs well with perdita who can ignore friendly fire right so you'll basically a lot of the time, try and get Frank into a target that's like a really big, beefy target. Try and use Frank's uh, three attacks, you know, swing as much as possible and uh, whittle him down and then use Perdita to try and finish something off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Although you might leave with Perdita if it's got a lot of armor. Exactly. Or I, if they or if they haven't taken any, uh, you know... Oh, no, damage, damage yet. yet. So. so there's a lot of ways with it, but she it just pairs nicely because he's like one of the few melee models or melee-specific models, and Perdita ignores friendly fire, so you might as well use it. I guess. We forgot to mention, his real name is Francisco. We've been calling him Frank. Yes, it's Francisco Ortega. Uh, one other thing I will say is that he's got one of the, I think, the coolest alternative uh, sculpts in the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, it fits more in with his how you read his card than the original sculpt. He's got a balanced sword. Back in second edition, it was a, it was a dueling sword, and the original sculpt has what looks like a machete. Yeah, but the the new one's a lot more stoic. Uh, he looks a lot. I mean, not the new one. The old one is. I think most people would say he's better. In both, he looks like Frank Zappa. So hooray. Yep. Okay. Now moving on to the enforcers, which Perdita has one or two, and Santiago is, I believe, the other brother. Excuse me, that we know of in the family. And he is a big shouty man that runs into battle. I don't have like a one word description for his play style. He likes shooting, like most of the things in the crew, and he's got a trigger for every suit on his gun, which is useful. So you can definitely get a good thing out of regardless of what card you're flipping as well one thing that was used a lot against me the couple times i played uh against perdita was sober up he's got a condition removal in the crew and uh if it's targets a friendly model they gain focus and since uh i believe perdita likes to run a little bit elite uh you're putting focused on usually a very good model uh, which is probably very much worth it. He's got challenge, which is just generally useful. It means things have to attack him, otherwise they have to ditch a card to attack someone else. And I got your back, which lets him pull friendly models out of danger. Uh, any other interesting things about Santiago? 
Yeah, so he's the other one with the grit ability. Uh, his is frantic, which uh, basically when he's at half health, all of his attack actions and their damage flips re receive pluses. To oh, flips, yeah. Oh, geez. Uh, which is really, really strong with him. He, especially because his, his gun has a 245 attack. He's also got Gunfighter, so he's really versatile. You can use him at range of 12 inches, but you can also charge him right into melee if you need to. And then I think one of the more useful and overlooked abilities for him is that he's got Deadly Pursuit, which means that during oh, the yeah. phase he's going to get an extra 4-inch push, which is huge, because there's not a lot of you know mobility in the crew. And so that's a, a nice way for him to get a little better positioning, because he, he is a little bit squishy. Yep. All right. Nino. So Nino is the crew's sniper, and he is a really, really good sniper. There's not much else to say about him outside of that. Uh, he does the one thing, and he does it exceptionally well. He's got From the Shadow, so he's going to be able to deploy pretty much anywhere he wants on the board. He ignores cover and concealment. He's got a built-in positive flip and a built-in tome to his 14-inch repeating rifle. He does have a knife. It's not very good. And he's got only one tactical action, uh, bonus action, that he can only take when he's engaged that lets him move four inches, uh, essentially, out of engagement. But yeah, so he, he's got the Bravado uh, Porel abilities, but... I think the key thing with Nino is that he has a ability called Spotter, which says that basically any of his aura effects uh, affect friendly models regardless of range. He only has two aura effects. One is the Alporel to uh, gain an extra action or a trigger on his gun called Family Values, which is the built-in tome trigger. It's once per activation, enemy only, but basically another friendly family model within uh, Aura 6, or in his case, just anywhere, at least uh, within line of sight, may either draw a card or take the concentrate action. So basically, uh, at least one of his sh uh, shots, he's going to be able to declare that trigger um, and allow another friendly model to either draw a card or get it, take the concentrate action. So card or focus, uh, he just gets some extra utility. At seven points, he's really strong. There's not a lot of reasons not to take him because he can definitely uh, put out some some serious uh, damage with uh, his rifle, especially against minions. So we'll use him to, to pick things off or to whittle things down and get some extra uh, focus out there. All right, next up in this Enforcer train is A1 Papaloco, who is... Totally stable. That is a totally nice gentleman that it seems to be half wrapped up in a straitjacket. And uh, he likes dynamite. He likes throwing dynamite. He likes blowing things up. I could probably just leave it at there. Uh, more specifically, he can throw dynamite, which generates shockwaves. I think it's the only shockwave in this crew. Think so? Uh, yes. Yep. Okay. Um, he's got blow it to hell, which will, you know, render cover useless for models and you know blow up destructible terrain. So certain masters would absolutely hate this model. And as well, he can punch people if they get close to him and punch them with dynamite, which deals some damage to him, but still deals out a good chunk of damage. He's the only. I guess technically min three, if you want it. He's only min three in the crew, I think. Yes, technically. Min three on the you're talking about the diamond punch, right? Yeah. yeah. So or the, I mean the only, only min three there. I mean his his throw dynamite is also like the damage three is just it, crazy. It's three damage. Yeah. yeah. High damage guy. That's yes. that's what you're going to use him for. And uh, sorry, cut out a little bit. Did you talk about his demise? Oh no, he blows up when he dies, dealing three more damage to things around him. So don't don't put him near your friendlies, please. 
Okay, that's it. Yep. <laughs> All right, so uh, rounding out our final enforcer for the crew is uh, Abuela Ortega. Abuela is kind of a utility piece. Um, she is actually only a cost five, so there is room to take her. Um, <laughs> so she, she's got hard to wound, but she, you know, being at defense four and five health, she's still uh, going to be a pretty hefty target, so you just got to be careful when you take her. The biggest thing for her is that she has a, a very small range for her attack action, so she's got sharp wit that throws out slow, and we'll see that on other models uh, in this faction. But And then she has a sawed-off shotgun, um, which only has a 6-inch range. It's got a decent damage track. It can do extra damage on a ram trigger, but it takes away the, the blast for it. But the main reason that you're taking her is uh, just for some increased action economy. She's got a tactical action called Listen Up Youngin. It's the main reason to take her. It's a range 8 it is essentially an obey that uh, can target any model. However, she gets the mask built in if it's targeting a friendly uh, family model. So uh, the downside is you can't use it, of course, against Perdita, like any other obey, but you can use it uh, with anybody else in the crew. Overall, she's a she's a fun-looking model, but she's incredibly tricky to play. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I have not found a good use for her yet outside of the, the extra obey. I mean, an obey on a five soulstone model is still good. Yes, totally. It's getting her there and getting more than like one or two a game. That's the trick with her. Fair. All right, finally get some some minions in this crew. We have the monster hunter, just a generic, nice monster hunter, which is very, very generic. Also, has got deadly pursuit, so a bit of nice mobility in there. The regular family keyword abilities with bravado and operl. Got the bigger they are, which I think might cue you in on a good time to take these when they target something that has a bigger size than them, which we're looking at size 3 and up. They gain plus 1 to their stats, which makes them a stat 6 gun, a stat 6 terrorize, which pushes the enemy model away, and they got creep along. So actually, these are decent scheme runners. Yeah, um, I, I, I love never, them. Never mind, they're not generic. They, yeah. they uh, On a they, 6, they're going to be pushing 5 inches, got... 2 AP for 5 more walk, and then Deadly Pursuit for a total if you just run them 19 inches of movement a turn. Yep. Yeah, they they are, I think, a key piece. You're going to usually want to take one, at least in, in most of your crews. I've sometimes taken, honestly, two and dropped, you know, one of the, the enforcers for two of them, just for the mobility, depending on the encounter. So, cool. It's so, a lot of fun, and they look great. They are some cooler... <laughs> models of the crew i think i like i was like oh i know how these are used and then i <laughs> figure out that i'm completely wrong whilst looking at the card well, that's great now we know what they're used uh yes also the, the sculpts look absolutely amazing what is our last model in the family keyword the pistolero de latigo uh which are super freaking generic uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they, they are cost four pretty much stat fours across the board with almost everything they do have a move five which is great they do have a little bit of like weird utility, so the big thing is that they have Reckless, right? So they can suffer damage and gain fast, so they can make uh, decent, cheap scheme runners. They have, uh, despite the fact that they all have swords, hilariously, they don't actually have a melee attack. <laughs> um, so they, they have a, a small gauge revolver, uh, which is 10-inch range. Uh, the attack is fine, but this, it's a stat 4, so you're not going to hit much with them, and that's really not the point. 
the the reason that they don't have a sword is that they do have gunfighters, so they are at least flexible. Um, and then they do have a, a, an interesting little uh, attack action called Biting Insult, uh, which basically hands out Distracted and can gain your crew extra pass token. But really what you're going to use them for most of the time is having Reckless getting you know an extra scheme. You're going to go in knowing most of the time these guys are probably going to die. Uh, they, the, I guess the one other ability that's kind of unusual for them is that they've got Fistful Script, which is... After they kill an enemy model, it may drop a scheme marker into base contact with the killed model. Thing is, is that they're not going to kill too many models. So uh, you might get lucky once and have them, you know, finish something off to drop a scheme. But really, you're going to use these guys for reckless and then uh, just accept their fate once they get down to one point of health. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the with bringing along a finishing model. Sometimes you're always going to have that, like, do I bring a really, really, really big cash or uh, pay for one of these guys? And it's, you know, it's an extra attack. And you don't care too much if they die. They're kind of designed to die. And if they're dying, your good stuff isn't dying. So. Yep. And, I mean, and the nice thing, I'll say just about Purdue's crew in general, all the models look really cool. So mm-hmm. well, there's not very many bad skulls in this game to begin yeah. with. Okay, moving on to Witch Hunter, the the nice people. Yes, they're so warm and fuzzy. Uh, we get, one of those is true. We get to uh, we get to one of the what I would consider the more evil keywords in the guild. Um, these are the people that deal with the rogue magic users and Malifaux, and specifically are kind of the anti-arcanist keyword. They are headed up by a one Sonia Crid, who I believe only took the job so that she could steal all the magical tomes for herself. How altruistic. Now, because I main Arcanists, uh, I like to sass Sonia a lot. But, uh, yeah, her methodologies are a bit ruthless and um, bad. We'll, we'll get into some of the awful things she does. Um, but this is your, your, your magic crew. Your more straightforward magic crew in the guild. Sonya herself does a lot of burning. Primarily burning. Burning related things. Standing back and shooting spells, more or less. Yeah, I mean, she... You know, gameplay-wise, she also does a little bit of, like, kind of weird light summoning. So she's kind of... She's kind of an odd bird when it comes to uh, gameplay. Because they, you know... Ideally, you want to either be hanging back and blasting with her. Uh, she's got a huge range on her flame burst uh, spell attack, and it will put a lot of burning out. It's got a lot of blasts, especially on its uh, severe damage, so it can really, really wreak some havoc. But she also has a really cool uh, sword, flaming sword, that uh, is actually not a bad attack. The stat is not great, but every time she hits, uh, she's healing. And so... There is something to be said about, you know, kind of throwing her into combat because she's got, you know, a lot of wounds and she's got arcane shield and she's got counter spells. So all that said, she does also have very cool ability that with her attack actions, they ignore cover and concealment when targeting models with burning. Uh, so that's really cool. Uh, she can avoid a lot of the, the things that make shooting uh, very difficult with her crew if uh, she's targeting something that already has burning on it and a lot of the crew as we'll talk about can throw burning onto a lot of different things so she also has uh, an ability called scorch the soul um, which is similar to jacob lynch and a couple of the other uh, masters in the game that try to use a condition to basically do basically use up 
a lot of uh, stacked condition on a model, enemy model in this case, burning. She can reduce the value of the burning on the model by up to five and do that much damage to the model. And if the model dies, then she replaces the model with a witchling model that is equal or lower cost. I think, did you talk about witchlings a little bit? I was going to save that that lovely fluff for when we got to them. <laughs> cool. So witchlings are another. Witchlings are basically little minions of hers that she has. Doug will go into more so, but you know th- this is one of those keywords that actually has two keywords in it: it's witch hunter and then witchlings. Witch hunters are kind of the masters. Witchlings are kind of the the, the minions who uh, do the bidding of the witch hunters. So, so yeah, she she ultimately she is kind of uh, she plays a little bit more like an arcanist, but with. Uh, a little bit of that, still that like kind of ruthless guild flair. Yes. Okay. Let me try again and not be so sassy and actually sell you on Sonya Crit. Okay. She runs the Witch Hunters, which are responsible for tracking down rogue magic users and detaining them, using them for things, or just you know, good old-fashioned imprisoning them, or sort of folding them into the guild. Her fluff has her at one point, not accidentally, but absorbing the essence of a tyrant, which, if you aren't familiar with the game, is basically a demigod, kind of an old one, Lovecraftian entity, and trapping it within herself whilst wearing this um, metal mask. So kept the mask on, just kept the tyrant from basically taking over her and burning down all of Malifaux. Now, when the old governor general kicked the bucket, he kind of ripped that tyrant outside out of Sonia. And so, uh, since then, she hasn't needed to wear the mask, although she's been slightly even more unhinged since then, which is good. And also, we will be seeing a new sculpt of her, and I guess a new card, coming up for the other side, sure. So that, that'll be great. Yeah, it- from what we've heard from Gen Con, you know, both she and then Kirai will just play very differently with whatever the, the new cards are. So they okay. want to match it with playstyle, but or match I would, the crew, but not the. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say very differently. I'd say it's still within theme of the crew. Just give them definitely a different strength. Yeah. But so yes, while me being the Arcanist will say that she is an awful, awful person, there is still some good inside of her in the fact that she kind of sacrificed herself. She was willing to sacrifice herself to stop this tyrant. So cool. I can now go over her totem, the Purifying Flame, which is a lovely aura-based minion that's, um, sorry, Enforcer. I keep getting that screwed up. It is an Enforcer that mostly puts out burning through an aura when it activates, or when things activate around it. When it activates, gives out burning to things within two inches of it, has this nice ability where it'll just pass through models and give them burning. It can touch things and give them burning on a trigger, and no, just, just gives them burning. Or it can breathe fire on them and give them burning. It likes to give out burning. When it dies, it explodes burning onto things. Burning. Okay. And He's also a, de- he's also a good scheme runner. Oh, another significant model, jeez. Yep, he's totally significant and gets the extra move, so it makes it real fun for uh, scheming with him. Good scheme runner in the fact that no one's going to remember he's significant. Exactly. Thanks I love that. Me. I love that. Okay. So uh, her her henchman, her one and only henchman, is uh, Smale Hopkins, who is basically a burning cowboy. 
So with a with a big mallet. So he and a uh, bear so, trap. And a bear trap, but he doesn't use the bear trap anymore. Sadly. So, so yeah, so he uh, one of the cool things about him is that he actually has a, a pretty high move. Um, so it makes him really maneuverable um, and a little bit more mobile in the crew, which is fun. He also has counterspell, which actually the majority of uh, the witch hunters have counterspell and arcane shield. So he's going to be a little bit have a little extra survivability. He's got a really cool ability called Flaming Bullets, fitting in with that flaming cowboy theme. So basically, whenever uh, he makes a shoot action, the models damaged by the shoot action gain an additional burning. And he's got Rapid Fire. So guess what? He wants to shoot that revolver of his and get burning out onto things. He does have a wooden mallet um, that also will put will do extra damage flips, get, gain you extra damage flips if uh, the target has burning on it. You're generally not going to get him into melee too often. Most of the time, uh, I, in all my games with him, I've gotten him into melee once. Really, you're using him to kind of spread some more of that burning around so that Sonya can uh, make good use of it and kill things dead with his gun. So, rounding out the extra mobility, he does have creep along as well. So, really, in a turn, you could actually end up getting like 12 inches and uh, with rapid fire, two shots in one turn with him, which is pretty sweet. Yep, and he uses that bear trap to uh, hunt people down and then, you know, drag them in. But that's in the fluff, and he no longer has that ability. Please give him bear trap back, weird, please. Yes, please, please, please. <laughs> Desperately. <laughs> okay, moving on to minions. No enforcers outside of the to- totem. Uh, we get sanctioned spellcasters. So these are the arcanists, the magic users that kind of got off easy. They're basically forced to wear a collar around their neck or their wrist that if they don't do what the person that's controlling the collar wants them to, the collar goes boom. Fun. Um, They're cheap, got a bit of magic, shooty, blasty, burny stuff. Also have a negation order, which is really nice, as long as they are alive. Models within three of them uh, have to discard to cheat once they put that up. Just a cheap four-cost model that'll help get out burning. Can also gain fast. They can gain fast as long as they're within three inches of a model that can use soul stones, which includes the Witchling Handler, which is nice. And the Thalernian Queller. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Okay. So basically, most of the screw that... Anything that isn't a Witchling. Anything that's not a Witchling, yeah. So... They, 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 on the surface, they seem like they might not be that great, but uh, if you're going uh, witch hunter heavy in the crew, uh, which a lot of the time these days you really are probably going to be, there's actually more opportunities for them to be close to something when they activate, especially on the early turns, to something that uses soul stones. Okay, what's next? Cool. Next. Sorry. So uh, the next thing is the Thalarian Quellers. These are a uh, nice other bit of kind of anti-summon tech. So they have barrier to the other world, similar to what the exorcists have in the martial keyword. Uh, they have arcane shield, counterspell. The big thing is that they also have attuned, which means that they can use soul stones. What they're going to use soul stones on um, is kind of actually amongst at least some new players up for a lot of debate, to be perfectly honest. They're very rarely going to use them to gain an extra suit on anything because they actually just don't have a lot of triggers um, what they do have is they have their arcane staff which is a, a nice 12 inch uh, attack that does it's got a decent you know s- damage track but uh specifically it's got a lot of blasts on it 
can hand out a burning. It's got startle, which hands out staggered as a bonus action. It's got a very, uh, very tricky, I'd say, tactical action called flaming brand that basically requires an en- a target enemy model to have burning plus three or greater. And it'll hand out adversary witchling to that model. And then you need to choose a friendly witchling model nearby uh, within line of sight to the target to then move at an increment of two times the amount of burning that it had on there. So like I said, it's kind of convoluted. Uh, it's a very tricky ability to use, but can really get some extra movement uh, specifically for your uh, witchling thralls. And then the main reason I think that you bring Quellers is their bonus action I didn't start the fire, which is basically you end the burning condition on a target enemy model, and you drop a steam marker to base contact with them. So really, I, I've had a lot of trouble kind of figuring out how to use these guys. But I didn't start the fire. Usually it's made them worth it for me. Nice. Okay. Moving on to the problematic models. Uh, These are the Witchling Stalkers. So, hey, uh, the thing that makes uh, Sonya very, very uncomfortable is the fact that a lot of the Arcanists, a lot of the magic users, she um, hunts and takes from their homes and their loving families. She'll just take them down to, into a place called the Yellow Crypt, and she'll basically burn the soul out of them, reducing their themselves, uh, basically reducing them down to glorified um, hunting dogs. So she'll take a fully sentient human with, you know, goals and, lo- and interests and family and all that other stuff, and then basically make them a slave. Hooray. So these are the Witchling Stalkers. A very basic minion... Not a ton of stuff on them. A, bla- a, a sword attack that does damage, a gun attack that does less damage. Condition removal on a 5 soul stone model, that's that's not nothing. And things that damage them, they'll be able to push closer to them. I think it's more of a case of that a lot of other things will interact with them and push them around and get them to do stuff. And when they die, they explode and put burning on things. So, cool. Yeah, the one thing I, I wish that they had was uh, some ability, an easier ability to get burning onto other models um, demise is an easy ability demise is an easy ability um, <laughs> and honestly you, sometimes you will maybe torch one of your own to uh, that that has been a sub like stalker so sometimes you will get one just for that purpose but they are i feel like they are probably the the most basic of minions in all of guild so uh, so yeah, so the, the next uh, Witchling are the Thralls, and these are kind of the real, these are the big beefy badasses of Sonya's crew. So they are, they've got a lot of health, they are ruthless, they are ignored by Witch Hunters for the purposes of friendly fire. They have a built-in defensive trigger that after resolving uh, the model suffered damage, they can push four inches towards the attacking model. Mm-hmm. They also throw out a bunch of burning when they die in a two-inch And then the reason why they're awesome is on the flip side of their card. So they've got a really good uh, one-inch melee attack called Enhanced Fists. That's got a built-in crit strike, basically making them in three damage. Nice. Uh, most of the time you're going to be using that, that uh, ability or that, that trigger, I should say. That said, they also have a shockwave that is uh, really pretty strong because um, it's uh, any shockwave. I think, especially ones that do you know damage two or higher, are uh, pretty strong. So you will use that. And then uh, they also have a tactical action called Absorb the Flame, which I desperately wish was a bonus action for them. That basically is a 
3-inch pulse. Uh, the basically, they reduce the value of the burning condition on every model within range by 3. And then for each point of burning reduced in this way, the model heals one. So you really want to get them stuck into melee in a couple places, especially on targets or near targets that have a bunch of burning on them, which is where the Purifying Flame and uh, some mail comes into play. And then even as they start taking hits, they're going to either push towards those uh, models or start reducing those models burning in order to heal back up. So these are the kind of linchpin, I would say, of her entire group. Okay. Last up is the Witchling Handler. These are the people designated to train, groom the Witchlings and turn them into a vicious uh, fighting force. And they are kind of a support model. They've got decent attacks. Good gun, a better blade with quick crit strike and blaze. And drain magic. Is drain magic a sort of a ubiquitous trigger in this crew? Uh, it's pretty common amongst the witch hunters okay. and then the thralls as well. Okay. Which forces that enemy to discard a card, and then you can draw and discard a card. Which is good. Card cycling is good. This will also put out... They've got... Oh, Witchfire. Put out extra burning. Hooray. Targeting willpower, which is great. Not, you know, things have, tend to have lower willpower. Um, last but not least, consolidate power. They can move a friendly model towards... They can move a friendly minion towards another friendly model. So, uh, bonus action, cost of five, gets you to move your friendlies about. Oh, jeez, I forgot Goad. Okay, okay. Okay. is the the key. Yes. I was like, there was something on here that was like, oh, yes, this is the thing. Okay, this is the thing you bring. This is the reason you bring them. Friendly witching minions that activate within six inches gain plus two move until the end of their activation. So, suddenly, your thralls and your stalkers are move seven, which is significant. Yeah. Gives, uh, just even for a charge threat range of eight inches for the, uh, thralls. Jeez. Uh, yep. Yep. Okay. Um, anything else about the Witchling Handler? Uh, no. She. She. Uh, really, most of the time, if you guys. Are gonna... Oh. Okay. So I see. I see how it works. So you. You do the code. Then the minions go flying up the board, and then you. You consolidate power yourself towards them. Exactly. Yep. So you can keep up. Yeah. So mo- most Sonya crews are really going to consist of. Thralls and handlers with Samael and the Purifying Flame. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just going to try and get as much burning out that you can, but you're going to kind of take your time with it, and then you're just going to start beating stuff up with your thralls and continue trying to just whittle things down. It's it's uh, uh, Sonia. I like to describe her right now as she's the slow burn, <laughs> but but I mean it in the best way. Like she really, you know, it starts out slow. There's last setup, but then all the burning and all the damage and all the whittling away at the opposing crew gets more and more powerful as the game goes on. Alright, that is the Witch Hunter keyword. Moving on to Best Boy. This is, this is the, I refer to him as basically the, the, the puppy of, of <laughs> Don't hurt my, my boy Charles Hoffman. Charles Hoffman is the augmented keyword, uh, so... He is Robot Man. He likes robots. He likes making robots. He likes commanding robots around. He runs the Amalgamation Department, which is tasked with hunting down illegal constructs in Malfo, specifically ones that illegally 
combine living and artificial material, usually taking a creature of some kind and against its will, using it for some sort of mechanical purposes. I think his introduction story in 2nd Edition was really good in that he um, basically raids a racetrack for constructs and this one uh, group was using, like, basically pieces a, a deformed animals to pilot their constructs instead of using you know actual robotics so that's what he does and as always everyone's got uh, good things about them and bad things about them part of hoffman's sort of bad side is that admittedly he didn't realize he was doing it but he had this brother that something really horrible happened to him when they came over to malifaux and so he thought that his brother was just hanging on by a thread ramos had basically replaced most of his body with robot parts and so hoffman was like okay at some point ryle's gonna get better at some point ryle's gonna get better and it turns out that just because he, him wanting Ryle to improve or at some point get better, he was subconsciously puppeting his brother around, who was more or less brain dead. So um, that was a little dark. But he's gone past that. He's buried his brother, and now his sort of shade in this is the fact that he's working with the Arcanists. Hooray. And his story in third edition is that Joss more or less showed him that amalgamation isn't necessarily an evil thing and it can be used for good. Which is cool. Okay. How does Hoffman play? Uh, Hoffman uses a... Token? Uses a token, yeah. So he uses a uh, token called a power token uh, to really kind of fuel, for lack of a better term, uh, need abilities and either triggers or getting better at or actions out of all of his different constructs. But really, at the end of the day, Hoffman is all about creating greater action economy and being kind of a force multiplier for the rest of his construct crew. He will generate the... Uh, he can generate power tokens uh, for his uh, crew. Um, the biggest thing that he does is his overcharge ability, which basically he can throw out fast and a power token for his targeted uh, construct models. And at the same time, basically do another uh, a pulse duel when he does so. So he, in one tactical action, he can make life very difficult for the opponent while also enhancing his crew. That's the overcharge ability, and it's just really kind of the, the crux of what he does. But if you get him, you know, stuck into to melee, he's got a couple of really versatile, uh, interesting attacks. He's got a, kind of his enhanced robot fist. He's also got a welding torch. He has analyzed weakness, uh, similar to Perdita, so he can uh, basically make a target model have its armor and shielded ignored for the remainder of a turn. He also has a bonus action that also throws out like power tokens for, for his crew. So as you are hearing, power tokens are basically what makes his, his crew go round. Um, it's not absolutely necessary to have the power tokens for any of these constructs to be good. Um, I want to be kind of clear about that. But having them makes his already good models even better. Um, and so in a lot of ways, he... I like to kind of say that you know he he's the one that basically he's the, he's the the mind behind all those bots right he is the one making uh, everybody else around him better but he himself is no slouch either he is dr robot and some yeah. call him nick so um and there oh. you know and there are a couple things uh <laughs> that was a terrible joke i'm sorry <laughs> sorry 
Power Nexus also is one of his kind of important like front of card abilities that I feel like I should mention. So it's basically at, at the start of his activation, every fr friendly construct within six of him also gains a power token. And so, yeah, I mean, and he himself can also gain those power tokens and utilize them because even though he is living, he is also a construct. So really, he is, he's Mr. Robot Man. Like, he is going to make everybody who is a construct on the field better. Okay, Mr. Robot Man needs a, needs a robot right-hand man. His totem is the Mechanical Attendant. It is a little ball with a bunch of arms and lots of tools and guns and stuff on those arms. <clears throat> a lot of armor, too, in this crew. That's a, that's a bit of a theme. Armor 2 and Armor 1. And uh, pretty simple. Mechanical Attendant can heal friendly models, cheap heal, it's on a bonus action, and he's got internal magnet, which can push all scrap marker and friendly constructs either towards or away from this model. So for a crew that's relatively slow, generally, except for a few models, this guy's ability to basically push your entire crew up the board or towards itself is quite useful. And is he significant? <laughs> Yes, he is in fact significant. <laughs> I, I wonder what you use him for. Yes, so he can also scheme, and his movement is not terrible. No, five. Not bad. But yeah, that's that's pretty much him. He's also got a uh, companion, so can get some use out of that as well. Okay, Joss. Lot of lot going on for for him. Expensive. He's got Ruthless, which is expensive for a model to have, but it's still quite useful. Can't generate a lot of the models in the crew can generate power tokens on their own. It's usually through removing scrap markers nearby. However, Joss's ability does not do that. However, he does gain a power token when he takes the charge action, so you want to be charging this guy as much as possible, because how he uses power tokens is very useful. The only attack you're going to mostly be concerned with is Arc Axe on the back of his card. It's okay 245 damage track, but the interesting thing is you can just discard a power token. That's, that's an option you can do, and why would you want to do that? Well, if you either discard a power token or gain a power token when you attack with this attack, Joss does irreducible damage and irreducible damage is really stinking good so you want to be using that as much as you can and hoffman's going to be feeding him probably a lot of power tokens if he pot if he can and he's got some great triggers to go along with that crit strike hyper reactor gives him a power token so if you get that tome you don't have to worry about discarding card and electroshock is just really good it says he can just pulse out stunned and injured one to all models within two inches of him so keep him away from your own stuff when you do this but he shuts stuff down he's a good boy he's got a command on his card that's a bonus action it's an obey can only target constructs uh need a suit and an eight it's not going to happen too much can also give out shielded if he really really wants to but i think you're mostly going to be just shoving him in and dealing as much damage as possible oh fun thing when he dies he blows up and for every you know power token you didn't get to use dealing out irreducible damage you do allow injured and damage equal to that number of power tokens that's just he's a mean man He's a, mean, mean. he's a big mean boy. Okay, Melissa. Alright, so Melissa is uh, one of the new models. It's his new henchman. Um, previous edition, you, you had Ryle, his brother was his henchman. Now you have Melissa. Uh, Melissa fills kind of the exact same role that Ryle used to in the fact that uh, she's a big badass uh, cyborg lady who 
has a crazy metal claw and a crazy gatling gun so the interesting fluff thing with her is that she was once a death marshal and now she is encased in this uh construct body uh, kind of a death marshal consciousness inside this badass uh robot lady elaborating on the fluff when Hoffman buried his brother. He found a soul stone inside of him that was meant to collect Ryle's soul when Ryle died. But there wasn't enough Ryle there to actually fill the soul stone. So he found the Death Marshal, who was falling to pieces, because that's what happens when you're a Death Marshal and you do the Death Marshal thing. Uh, you just sort of fall apart like leprosy. So this lady volunteered to just kind of go inside the soul stone, and then he put the soul stone inside the cyborg body. So I guess it's a yeah. robot, but... So yeah, so she, um, <laughs> the, the big thing with her is that she is basically, she's going to shoot and generate power tokens, and she's going to do both very efficiently. She has a, high, a very high armor value, an armor of two. She, after she declares the charge action, she can gain a power token. Got the power converter ability to you know use the power tokens the special way. But the reason the dynamic generator, which allows her to you know, gain the power token when she charges it. It's important is that she also has run and gun, which allows her to use shoot actions instead of melee actions when she charges. So she is going to be able to get, you know, five inches of movement with a charge, shoot her gun, and gain a power token all with one charge activation. She's got a Gatling gun, which is a 246 damage with a 12-inch range. Uh, interestingly, this is the only Gatling gun, I think, in the game that does not have a built-in positive for some reason. It's only, um, it's only Gatling gun in... Well, no, we'll be getting new Gatling guns. Okay. That's true. Yeah, and we'll see what those. We'll see whether those have a built-in positive or not. But it is the only Gatling gun currently. in the guild, if I recall correctly. The only Gatling gun in guild and the only Gatling yep. gun currently that's not on a positive. But it's a stat yep. 6, so it's likely to go off. It's still, it's still, still going to go off. But yeah. So the other cool thing that she's got, she's got her metal claws. You're not really going to want to get her into melee that often, but it's a good attack to have when necessary. But she also has a really cool shockwave uh, with a really crazy trigger on it. It's her clockwork <laughs> grenade. Uh, but the trigger is uh, worth kind of reading. So it's the reign of death. Basically, uh, you discard any number of power tokens, and when resolving for each discarded power token by the trigger, uh, you drop an additional shockwave marker within range at least three inches away from the other shockwave marker dropped by this action. You then increase the target number of any move duels generated by this action for plus, by plus one for each shockwave marker dropped by this trigger. So basically, she can just rain a death. She can just, you know, pepper bomb everybody with these clockwork grenades uh, on her bonus action, which when you get it off in the game is really fun, fun at least for you as the player. <laughs> yeah, her other bonus action is the typical transfer power, but like I said, really she's going to be zipping around and shooting most of the time. Yeah, I guess when I ever described the the transfer for power is a bonus action that most of the crew has. It says you remove a power token from this model and you give it to another model, well, just a model within like three inches, and then you can push that model. That the, that the proper stats. Yes, and kind of what you're going to do most of the time is that once you have a power token on said model, you will use it most of the time on yourself. Yes. You'll discard a power token from your own model, so you'll also discard a power token, and then shoot, gain a power token, and then push two inches. So really what it becomes is a free two-inch push, and then she's free to use the power token to do Mm -hmm. positives or triggers. 
So a lot of models in this keyword actually have an additional two inches of movement. And it's something you definitely want to use on Joss and Melissa so that you're always guaranteed to be able to charge every turn. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, on to Enforcers. How about the uh, the Peacekeeper there? Yeah, so the Peacekeeper, I'd say, is uh, at least from 2E, is one of the kind of like iconic guild models. Yeah. Well. Um, it is a big, scary, beefy uh, robot that is intended to keep the peace, uh, but really is you know, kind of a terrifying kind of riot suppressor. And more of a um, peacemaker. Yes, definitely more of a peacemaker. Uh, peace at the end of its you know, sharp, sharp claws. And harpoon. Uh, and harpoon. So, so <laughs> it's got a lot of the typical things that you're going to find in the other crew. High armor, power converter. It has, interestingly though, it has hard to wound, uh, which makes it a little bit creepier. It also has a demise ability, um, which is basically after, after this one is killed, it can move all of its power tokens to a friendly model within six. Ooh. Uh, it also has flurry, and the flurry is super important on the peacekeeper because it is a it's got a attack action that is a called heavy claws, which is a two inch range min three damage attack with uh, several good triggers, including crit strike, armor piercing, and then spool up to basically gain an additional power token. Uh, so a lot of the time, you're really going to try and get the peacekeeper stuck in somewhere. You're probably going to use the mechanical attendant to or Hoffman himself to uh, kind of get some extra movement out, because the Peacekeeper is slow. It's got a, a move of four. But once you get it stuck in somewhere, um, it can start really tearing things to shreds. Um, but it's got another trick up its sleeve to kind of get things um, in its area for melee, which is its harpoon gun, which is a 12-inch range, uh, does some damage, but uh, automatically will push a model three inches towards the Peacekeeper um, and has the pull-and-drag trigger to do an additional three inches. So there's a lot of ways still that even though it is a, a slower model um, where you can still get things kind of in the thick of it with you. He also has transfer power, like the rest of the crew, but also has Trail of Gore, so he can remove a scheme marker and then take a melee or walk action as well. And so that one is nice because it's a scheme marker, it's not a scrap, so it's a lot easier to get a scheme marker out there from somebody else in the crew, like, hey, mechanical attendant maybe, to then give some extra movement or extra attacking power from the Peacekeeper. So big, beefy, terrifying model, a uh, little tricky to use, but when used correctly can uh, cause a lot of problems for your opponent. Sadly, that's an enemy scheme marker. Oh, it is an enemy scheme marker. You're right. Oof. So, a little bit tougher. So, denial. <laughs> Denial's made the game of Peacekeeper. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a good denial piece. I mean, d- denial tech. Most, most of your opponents are going to be too much panicking about the Peacekeeper in their face to realize that it can also eat their scheme markers. I will confess, I don't actually own a Peacekeeper. I've only ever used one in playtests. So. Oh, okay. I thought you would be all over this guy. I I mean he's cool, but I really don't want to assemble him. <laughs> oh goodness, he wasn't he wasn't that hard. I mean like from from Alpha, it's not on the most difficult. Anyways, Howard Langston. <laughs> <laughs> Howard Langston is the other uh ten sol- Charles has got three ten soulstone models in this keyword. Um he's the other ten soulstone enforcer opposite the peacekeeper and well the peacekeeper i would say is more just raw damage raw beef just just a monstrosity that's the uh, an iconic guild model howard langston comes from the arcanists as well i guess we quickly go into the the little bit of fluff for him and joss um 
Charles ends up working with the two of them, and they're kind of off on their own little thing because Ramos kind of got arrested a little bit and they used to be hanging out with Ramos. So now they've seemed to have lashed on to Charles a little bit. And Howard's also hanging out with Tony Ironsides and then MSU. So he has some abilities borrowed from them and some abilities he's borrowed from Hoffman. There's also another model in this crew that has the exact same situation. They work well together. But whereas the Peacekeeper is raw beef, Howard's uh, trickier. He's got more interest, uh, like less murderous I guess executes also murderous but um, you can get some oh, ignoring resistance <laughs> yeah uh, you get more jank with Howard Langston but you're not going to put out just flat damage like the peacekeeper can be <laughs> he's got terrifying that the peacekeeper does not so you could probably get a little bit of uh, shenanigans off with passing attacks onto him from uh, Hoffman if you want if you think the opponent's not going to be able to pass a terrifying it sucks when that happens um, it's got some executioner clause, which, as Rob mentioned, they ignore resistance triggers, which is really nice. The three, four, five damage tracks, nothing to laugh at. Has the heave trigger, which places models uh, at attacks within three inches of it, and it's got a two inch reach and a fifty millimeter base. So if you just fling them the other directions, there's roughly seven, eight inches of movement. It's a lot, and because you're getting power tokens from him you can just go ahead and declare that and i would think since a lot of your crew is armor two you don't feel too bad about heaving your own stuff eight inches up the board by plinging it with one damage has a lovely ability called vent steam i base basically my my standard tony list around this ability that says models within three inches of it have concealment enemy models that aren't constructs take a damage um and they treat it as hazardous one so it's very useful also has the trail of gore thing but he can use it a little bit more often because when he gets to half wounds or more, he's got a grid ability that says, I don't have to remove a marker to take the trail of gore action. So then he goes up to three attacks most of the time. But yeah, that's Howard. Just kind of a, I would say, a reflection a bit of the Peacekeeper. Similar and different. Definitely more mobile, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, move five and that um, grid ability to let him take the walk, which he can get off more often than the Peacekeeper can. And the unimpeded is, is really nice. Oh, yeah, he's unimpeded because he's got the spider legs. Yep. <laughs> All uh, right. Moving down so, the list. Uh, it's a long list. Think, it's a long it's, list. Yeah. Are we jumping into minions now? Yep, Guardian. Cool. All right, so the Guardians are interesting because they are... I. It's fun for me to talk about Guardians now because they're so bad in 2E, and I love them in this edition because they actually have like a specific use that's really fun. So Guardians are excellent bodyguard models for his crew, so they're kind of big, uh, tall, uh, super tall, they're size 3 robots with a shield, so they can, since they've got the take the hit, therefore giving them the bodyguard, so basically they can uh, take an attack for a model within two inches and place themselves in base contact with that friendly model as well. They also have the high armor value of two. They've got a lot of wounds for a nine stone uh, minion model at eight wounds uh, or eight health. But they're not just uh, beefy tanks or bodyguards because they also have a greatsword, which we talked about a little bit with Lady J. So they have this awesome range two, min three damage attack that especially if they don't charge during their activation, they're getting pluses to their damage flips. Um, they've got a lot of really cool 
triggers on there. Most of the ones we talked about a little bit already spool up and uh, knock aside, but they also have Electroshock, which basically they discard a power token and then models with Impulse 2 gain stunned and injured. So really cool there. They've also got Toss, which is a really fun of uh, action, especially for throwing your own models up to 10 inches. It's a 10-inch push. And because they are size 3, it means that a lot of the size 2 stuff in in the crew can actually get thrown that distance, which is fun. Um, you will see it used as like an attack action to um, throw an enemy model or you know do some damage as well, but a lot of the time you're really going to see the Guardians uh, throwing smaller stuff around. So... Uh, they're a fun utility piece. They take a lot of practice, I think, to use, but they actually have a great deal of use now. And then they also have a really cool tactical action beyond the transfer power called Scatter, which is a 3-inch pulse, and basically all enemy models within range are pushed 3 inches away from the model as well. So they're really good for kind of clearing the area as well. So lots of little utility pieces with a big, big, big stick for beating people with it as well. So... <laughs> Okay, moving on to the Hunter, which is very not uh, like the models we've been talking about recently. It's it's an agile Hunter. Its name is a Hunter. It is a kitty with a harpoon on its back. It's also made out of metal. Um, it is kind of an expensive scheme runner. I don't want to say scheme runner is a bad thing. It's got high mobility, 6-inch move, um, transfer power, of course. has a thing called pounce on chest, so when it's near an enemy model, it can place next to it and then they gain injured, and then, you know, go at them with the metal claws, or use the harpoon gun to displace enemy models or bring them towards them. A good skirmisher model is a bit expensive. Yeah, the, the biggest surprise for me is the fact that they're minion 3 at their cost. <laughs> I mean, aren't, aren't the Guardians also minion 3? Uh, I think they're 2. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking the Riot Breakers. Yep. Yeah, Riot Breakers. So. <laughs> yeah, hunters are, are fun. You, they do have, they totally have a place. But when we get to some of the other minions uh, in the crew, you'll see why uh, something as speedy as it is um, and tanky, you're just not going to generally take. I think more than one, maybe two. Okay, maybe. All right, speaking of right breakers. Yes, so Riot Breakers. Riot Breakers are a cost 7 uh, minion. They also have armor 2. These guys are, again, um, they're, they're very much a utility piece. So really a lot of the, the encounters that you're going to see that have a lot to do with you know kind of either holding an area or getting to a specific area, you're going to try and use Riot Breakers to disrupt the opponent is the, the best way I can describe them. So they, in the, the way that they're going to do this is through a combination from their front of card abilities and a couple things on the back. So while they have a high armor count and power converter and all the, you know, the device power surge that we've talked about, the big thing for them is that they have unyielding, uh, which is a pretty big deal. So they can basically flat out refuse to be moved outside their activation. So your obeys and pushes and things like that, they're just going to say, nope, I'm staying here. That's well, a pretty big thing with these guys. A push is not an action. Oh, sorry, yeah. Well, I, I mean your, like, push-type action. So, like, okay. uh, yeah, like the, you know, shockwaves that are going to push you and things like that. So they also have crowd control, which is, um, I mean, models within six cannot take actions unless it is their activation. So, again, kind of preventing... You know, some extra activations from those uh, obeys or obey-like abilities. 
and then they also have a riot gun, which is uh, a short-range gun that's really there to do a little bit of extra damage um, on targets, but it's really going to declare its trigger a lot of the time. Kind of a weird gun. It's really used to really kind of clear out uh, something that gets too close to the uh, area that you want, especially like minions. But you're not going to use it terribly often compared to... I'd say it's Shield Slam, which is um, more to actually really clear something out. So it's Shield Slam is a one-inch range, uh, stat six. It does not do a lot of damage. It only does one damage, but it automatically pushes the target two inches away in any direction. So the big deal with the Shield Slam and with the Riot Breaker is really you're going to use them for actual true crowd control. You're going to try and pick a spot or even charge into a spot and really get the model that you don't want you know, from the enemy side in a certain place, you're going to use the right breaker to move them around or uh, bandy them about into a different spot and make it very difficult for the opponent to do anything other than utilize this or move that model during its activation. All right, next up is the Warden, which uh, Hoffman here will be sharing with Dashel because it also has the guard keyword. It is a five soul stun minion with armor two and defense five. That's not bad. Um, so armor 2 and health equal to its soul stone cost, which a lot of armor 2 models will be one less, so that's really nice. Also, ruthless for 5 soul stones is <laughs> really good. Uh, it's got a decent melee attack, but I think like the big draw to this is its gun attack, which is restraining claw, which does only 1-2-2 two, two damage, but hands out slow. So a relatively reliable access to slow on a cheap model. Pretty nice. They're really good, especially if you're getting extra movement and activations via Hoffman and uh, the attendant. Okay. Well, explain why we don't take uh, hunters all that much. <laughs> yes. So, uh, the reason we don't take hunters terribly often, especially in that coveted uh, steamrunner position, is the Watcher. The Watchers are, I think, uh, not only are they probably the best steamrunner in Hoffman's crew, but I'd honestly argue that they might be the best steamrunner in guild period so they are a cost of four with a actually pretty good defense for a cost four model with a defense of five they have armor they fly they have the typical power converter and demise power surge just like the rest of the augmented but they also have a movement of seven which means that they are zipping about placing with armor one seven inches every turn or up to 14 really and but that means that you're actually getting even further with within a Hoffman crew because you're getting the extra movement from the back attendant, getting extra movement or actions from Hoffman handing out fast. And so the watchers end up getting exponentially greater to the point where they can end up having, you know, a threat range of, you know, possibly 21 inches of just movement setting up for a turn or 14 inches and then dropping the steam or interacting or what have you. They also uh, they have an attack action. It's not really worth even talking about. It doesn't, you know, you're not going to use it terribly often. But it does have a coordinated attack um, trigger, so uh, sometimes it will come up, but very rarely. And then its tactical life actions, of course, it's got the transfer power, but the one that you'll probably see a little bit more often is scrap delivery. So let's say you know you lose one of your uh, one of your models, it drops a scrap marker. The tactical action is scrap delivery. Basically, you remove a scrap marker in base contact with the model, and then at the end of the watcher's activation, you drop a scrap marker into base contact with the model. 
And again, those scrap markers can then be used by other models at the start of their activation to be removed for power converters. So Watcher has a lot of utility and a lot of mobility for the crew at uh, an unbeatable cost. And because it's cost of four, uh, with its good defensive stats, means that even at cost five for other crews, it becomes a little bit ubiquitous uh, for an extra cheap scheme runner in other guild uh, keywords. Okay, next up is the Union Steam Fitter. The next three models are all borrowed from Arcanists. This one, uh, people don't seem to like too much into Hoffman, mostly because it's not a construct. And Hoffman really, really likes constructs, but he's got its place. She's got her place. Two of the models are female. Um, specifically, it is a healing model that can charge your friendly models and heal them up. The other... I guess other two healers in the game that aren't Hoffman would be the Mobile Toolkit and the Mechanical Attendant. Both of those are bonus actions, so you've got to, you know, run them out there and hopefully get that off. Whereas the Steam Fitter, you can go and walk and then charge your friendly model and get two health for them, not having to worry about accidentally flipping that lower one on the healing flip. Okay, but that's that's their attack. They got the Welding Torch that Hoffman does. Um, they have a tactical action, which is pretty useful, called Encase and Steel. It requires a Tome to go off, but you get the Tome if they target a Construct. Lo and behold, Hoffman has quite a few Constructs. However, what you're really looking for is having that Ram in hand to discard a Scrap Marker and give them Shielded 2 as opposed to Shield of 1, which is the, the standard benefit. If you're bringing in Howard Langston, you can use these guys to beef Howard Langston up because then you can use that Tome to instead give Howard uh, Focus plus 1. And while Scrap Marker is not the most easiest resource to come by, they can place it next to themselves with a bonus action. You've discarded a card. So not unuseful, just got to be different. I think they're more... There, there's a lot more benefit to them in uh, with Howard than with not, but still they're a good amount of healing. And that same ability that lets them play Scrap can place schemes instead, so they're pretty decent scheme runners. That's that's my defense of Steve Ferris. <laughs> <laughs> so the flip side of why you might not bring one, um, especially with the, the useful utility of the healing that they provide, um, is the Medical Automaton which is another one borrowed from the Arcanists. These guys are pretty slow and have a low defense, but they have armor. Uh, more importantly, they have the Bedside Manor ability, basically after resolving an action in which another friendly model within three suffered damage. This model may discard a card to place the damage model into base context, so basically it can pull other models uh, towards it, and then any model that starts their activation within three also heals. They also have emergency mode, which is at the start of its activation. It gains one power token for each friendly living model within three that has half its maximum health or less. They can also gain, or they can basically do the assist action uh, for free because they gain fast once they've done it. The big thing, though, with them, they've got, you know, a, a zero-inch range attack, but you're really not going to do it terribly often with their surgical instruments. But the big thing for them is emergency surgery, where you're going to target a living model. So specifically, the, you know, you'll, you may take the medical automaton for, like, those uh, few keywords that are, are keyword models that are both living and construct in the crew to kind of be a little bit of a heal bot there. And you'll also take them if you take out of keyword stuff, uh, which sometimes you do, especially in guilds. So so it's an extra bit of healing there that the uh, Steam Fitter cannot, you know, uh, give to the crew because, you know, 
something that's living is not necessarily always a construct. So uh, it also has code red, uh, which is uh, targets a friendly model with two or less health, and you can place the medical automaton base contact with it and then they automatically heal one so they're nice little models but i think they have more use overall i'd say in arcanist than they do guild i would say they're there for if you're bringing a more arcanist heavy crew yeah. into guild i mean the thing about it is hoffman has yeah. hoffman has enough tools that you're not necessarily bringing a ton of things in either outside of his keyword in either of the factions but I think most people are like, oh, you can't use emergency surgery with a medical automaton unless you're bringing living models. It's, it's crap. But it other has other healings. Like, Healing Dress doesn't care if it's a construct. Co-Red doesn't care if it's a construct. Yep. Surgical Instruments is actually really great if you're going into, like, a condition-heavy crew. You're sacrificing a health for removing a condition. That, that's built in. Um, and even so... Hoffman's living. <laughs> yeah, that that was going to be my point is that Hoffman's living, and so Hoffman's you living. Use, you can use all those other heals that you get from you know other models in the yeah. crew that target constructs, and then save the automaton to basically follow Hoffman around. Yeah, Hoffman's living. Joss is living. Howard's living. The, those, and if you're bringing either Joss or or Howard, the medical automaton's not a waste. Nope. Okay, that's my defense of the meta, but. <laughs> just defending and the Arcanist let's, stuff. Let's hear your defense of the mobile toolkit. I don't need to defend them. A lot of defending. No, there's absolutely no reason to defend the mobile toolkit. Is it's stinking good for three for three soul stones? Armor six, armor one model, uh, power converter, all that good stuff. Hidden blade. You're never going to be using it. Who cares? Tune up. However, uh, just lets them hand out focused one or shielded one or just a power token. Just for a five. And one of this model's AP, you can give out a power token or focus. Probably going to use shielded too much. And a bonus action to heal. That has a trigger that lets you discard two power tokens to heal uh, extra points. So you're probably not using the power tokens much for anything else. So just going to be healing a good amount with that bonus action. Good model. Yep. He's, he's awesome. I... I... I hesitate to say that he's an auto-include, but I include him in most of my Hoffman, Hoffman crews. Yeah, I, I would say he's he's pretty... I mean, just, he's so cheap. Yeah. U- ubiquitous is the word I would use. <laughs> okay. Um, that is it for the augmented keyword. Alright, next up is the guard keyword. These are well, more or less the police of Malifaux. Um, uh, almost air quotes in that they are not terribly well uh, trained or well equipped or well liked Um, corruption is a bit of a problem with the guild and probably the most corrupt of them all at least through outside influences is the guard but you know what they're they're still the boots on the ground the guys are gonna first respond to an emergency and you know what they'll still protect the citizens more or less (laughs) But our our master for the guard is a one commander now? Uh, He is commander. Commander Commander Dashiell Barker. The cool thing about Dashiell Barker is he's basically been... Yeah, he keeps getting promoted. In first edition, he was just the, the guild... I believe just the model for the guild sergeant. He was. And then in second edition, he became Sergeant Barker. I mean, no, uh, Captain Barker. Captain Dashel. Captain Dashel Parker. 
<laughs> yep. I think the card was Captain Dashiell, right? Uh, it was Captain Dashiell, yes. Okay, cool. Glad to stop rubbing my, my I think, stand. Yeah, I'm actually not even sure if we ever knew his last name until 3rd edition. Like a lot of models. Um, We did, but it was a fluff. I don't believe it was in the fluff. And then, of course, got promoted up to Commander after, quote-unquote, defeating Colody, which he didn't do, if you read the fluff. But they gave him credit for it, so hooray, he's he's a Commander now. But uh, he's not going to be sitting at the desk. Oh, no, sir, he's going to be out in the field and stabbing things with his axe. Like, chopping, chopping things with an axe. You can stab someone with an axe. I mean, he chopped wood on uh, Colody, right? Yeah. Um, actually, no, but... I know. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> But that story it's like one of the best ones yeah and he's gonna be shouting orders to his dudes and he's gonna be summoning up guardsmen because eh, they die pretty quick they die really fast <laughs> i mean okay this, fluff, fluff wise in the fluff the guild guard i think is probably the most murdered model quote unquote in all of malifo um they die quite a bit so you just could just bring in more endless waves endless waves of guardsmen all right, how does Dashiell Barker play, Rob? He plays weird for, for a summoner. So he summons is the big thing. But he also, he himself, is actually going to kind of mix it up a little bit in, in combat, which generally with a lot of your other summoners uh, doesn't happen. Uh, the reason he can do that is he's got sixes for his defensive stats. He also has armor. Uh, he also has laugh off, so he can't be moved by anybody else. He has his uh, shouting orders ability right there on his card, but basically it allows um, any of his friendly guard models within six to discard a card to treat concentrate as a bonus, which is a big deal for for all the Smalfo players out there. Uh, concentrating on a bonus action is is awesome. He also uh, his attacks receive a plus one to their duels when uh, targeting models that have already activated. So you usually want to have uh, Dashiell activate later in the turn. Uh, what's he going to be doing on his turn? Number one, he will always almost always call in reinforcements, uh, which is a, a fairly typical summon. He can name any number of guard minion models, um, and then the TN is ten. 10 ram plus the cost of the minions and then he targets a scheme marker removes the scheme marker and then summons those models into place the other stuff on his card are pretty much uh attack actions he's got a axe and a peace bringer a lot of his um axe triggers are all based around really kind of leveraging damage here and there so critical strike it's got coordinated attack so he can allow another uh model that's engaged as well to to make an attack so he's going to gang up with friends is really what, what he tries to do. He also benefits his friends with his uh, lone bonus action to uh, called Foul Mouth Motivation. Basically, he heals a model 1, 2, 3, and they gain focus plus 1. But the nice thing is you can put the, that on healthy models, too, just to get an extra focus onto something that you want focused. So uh, he's going to summon once a turn, and then he's going to start trying to beat stuff up because he is a bruiser. All right, getting into, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but easily the most important totem in Guild. Uh, without a doubt. Without, without a, a doubt. And that is the Dispatcher. This is a poor man carrying around like an 80-pound radio set on his back, and he's the one that's calling, technically the one that's calling in all the reinforcements, and that is very thematic to what he does because he is very crucial into making Dashiell's summons a lot easier and a lot more beneficial. 
He's got some attacks, but I don't think we really need to go into those. They're, they're pretty weak. But his big thing is that basically his friends can treat him as an enemy scheme marker. Friendly or enemy scheme marker. Sorry. Even better. <laughs> they can treat him as a friendly or enemy scheme marker, and that's really, really crucial because Dashiell actually makes his summons easier if he targets an enemy scheme marker. So that uh, stat 6, needing a 10 plus the value of the total minions, is now a stat 8 if he targets the dispatcher. And if he were, if that scheme marker were to be removed due to this ability or other certain abilities, you draw a card. So you're summoning Instead. a model. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're summoning a model and drawing a card off of this guy. And you have a couple, one or two other ways to remove scheme markers in this crew as well. So he's incredibly important. And he's able to be protected. He's got protected guards, so you can, you know, sacrifice useless guardsmen to make sure he stays alive for as long as possible, because he's very crucial to this keyword. Anything else? No, I think I mean that's for the most part, that's 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 him. You're gonna you're gonna try and protect him. Cause he if he goes down, your plans go with him. Oof. Alright. How do we Oh jeez, we just have we have the one henchman. And no enforcers. No enforcers. Don't really need him, I don't think. Nope. So yeah, so the the one henchman is Taggart Quig, which actually if I remember correctly, was he just Mr. Quig in Yes second edition? He got a yeah. first name in um, the edition. Look at him. Yeah. See at, everybody in the crew getting promoted. At That's one awesome. point at one point he was Francis too. <laughs> That's true. He was originally Francis Quig, but I think they wanted to keep France. Only one guild-related Francis is allowed in Malifaux, and that's a lost that, love. That's so. fair. That's fair. That's fair. Or you know, just uh, didn't want to make him even more hateable than he already is. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry for any Francis's out there. All right, so Taggart Quig. So he's a, a support piece for the most part. Just like a lot of the crew, they, he's got loot their corpse and pursue. So um, I don't think I did met, went over loot their corpse. With, yeah, I keep uh, trying to remember to remind you, be like, hey, go over the, the yeah. keyword abilities. But yeah, go, yeah, go so, for it. So, so pursue is the one where uh, their attack actions receive a plus one if they attack somebody that's already activated. They also have loot their corpse, which is at the end of the smalls activation, it may remove corpse marker within aura two to add one soulstone to its crew soulstone pool. So representing that, you know, kind of corrupt nature of uh, these guild cops, if you will. So <laughs> so in addition though, and this uh, kind of sets sets the tone for him, he's got a front of card ability called Taskmaster, which is basically uh, when a friendly model with an aura four would gain focused, it may suffer two irreducible damage or one if within two inches of a scheme marker, hint, hint including dispatcher, <laughs> to instead gain fast. So he can throw fast out, you know, albeit at a cost, but guess who heals? Dashel on to, to model. He also has Prison Superintendent, which is friendly guard minions that activate uh, within Aura 4, may push up to three inches in any direction. So he's definitely a support piece and kind of a for, uh, force multiplier as far as the, the abilities of the other guard models. Back in his card, he has tactical action called Sabotage Their Plans that involves targeting a scheme marker. Uh, basically, he drops the scheme marker into base contact with the target, then he removes the target. But if it's the dispatcher, guess what? He's dropping a scheme <laughs> marker in base contact with the uh, with the dispatcher, and then you're drawing a card and nothing gets removed. It's awesome. Uh, that one does require a uh, an actual suit, though, a, a mask to go off, but you only need a six or higher. Also with him, he's got his barbed wit 
and his Peacebringer. His whip is really uh, one of the more interesting attacks, I think, in Malfo. Uh, so it's got a two-inch range, status six, and the cost of it is that if the target is ha uh, at half its maximum health or below, the action receives a plus to its duel. Uh, so he's going to hit you while you're down, basically. Target suffers two, two, three damage, and he's got coordinated attack. He's got Siphon Essence, which is the, the trigger to uh, gain a Soul Stone if you kill somebody. Um, and then My Loyal Servant, which is a recurring uh, trigger for him. He has it on his Peacebringer as well, which basically another model other than this model within three inches of the target heals one, two, three. So he's going to throw some of that heal out there, maybe the person that he taskmastered. Also on his Peacebringer, he has the trigger Drop It, and Drop It is kind of important for this crew as well. A lot of models will have it, so uh, from here on out, if you hear us say Drop It, this is what it means, which is enemy only, target must drop, and the enemy scheme marker into base contact with itself in line of sight of the this model. So some of the scheming that gets done in this crew is done by uh, hitting things. So that's Queek. Uh, most of the time, you're probably going to see him hang back because uh, he does have just very good range anyway. Uh, so he'll probably be peace uh, using his Peacebringer a lot. But if he has to, he'll tie something up with his uh, barbed whip. Okay, next up is the Guild Patrol, the lowest of the low Guild Guardsmen. And nothing very interesting here. Got immediate attacks with a gun and a sword. Has a little bit of movement shenanigan with creep along, but the only other interesting thing is they can take the hit for other important models, and they are the least important models, so. But if you add something to them, they get a lot better. What is that thing? Alright, uh, so yes, uh, they get better if they have a horse. Hey! So yes, the mounted guard, uh, I think are one of the, you probably see them taken out of keyword a lot too, but in keyword, they're really awesome. Uh, so they have pursue and loot their corpse. They are guild patrolmen who are on on a horse, but they're way better in almost every single way, to be quite <laughs> honest. Um, they have just way better attacks. In addition, because they ha are on a horse, they've got a uh, seven move. They are unimpeded, so they can go over that severe terrain. They also have much more health at eight. They lose their sword attack that the patrolmen have, but they gain that trampling hooves attack, which is the same one that uh, we talked about with the lone marshal, and it's really good. But they have an actual even better uh, trigger on that one called rear up, which you'll see probably uh, try to see used a lot because it can just drain hands. It's the same trigger actually that McCabe has that makes McCabe so crazy. That one is Emmy Miles within. It's a it's a two inch pulse that forces you to take a defense duel or suffer damage, and it's really good. Also has drop, uh, drop it. They also have a clockwork revolver with a 12-inch range, so a super speedy horse with a long range, just like Lone Marshall. Really, really good. Uh, but the most arguably the two most important things about Mountain Guard, Mounted Guard is the fact that uh, they have two insane tactical actions that are really good. I've got your back, which is a basically target a friend, engage friendly and teleport them to you. Gets them out of combat. Gets you know rearranges. Uh, gets the movement. Um, it's it's great. Uh, they also have Ride With Me, so they can target a friendly uh, at any time, and uh, they push themselves five inches and put the friendly in base contact with them. Uh, Ride With Me, I think, is, for my money, probably the best ability or one of the best abilities in the game. It's certainly one of the best bonus actions. And then the other thing that separates the Mountain Guard, of course, is their Demise Dead Horse, which basically, when they die, they replace with, you guessed it, a Guard Patrolman. <laughs> My theory is that the reason their attacks get better when they're on the horse is actually the horse that's shooting the gun. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. 
Obviously. Totally. It makes it makes the most sense. Alright, moving on to a much, much better minion. This is the Guild Rifleman. These are the sharpshooters of the guild, and they act like sharpshooters. They've got the normal stuff that the uh, guard has, as well as uh, the sniper ability, which lets them use focus to plus 10 inches to their gun. And a 14-inch gun means you're shooting 24 inch inches, which is really nice. As well as uh, having expert shot to ignore that uh, nasty little friendly fire. Uh, they have stand and fire, which is an interesting ability. I think it's the only one we have in the game? Someone else might have it. They have stand. Uh, I'm not sure. They have stand and fire, which says when an, if the, they're unengaged, when an enemy model resolves a charge within eight inches of them, that model just immediately suffers one damage. So it's a little bit of, so it's a little bit of anti-charge tech. Um, the gun, pretty nice. I mean, it's just, it's, it's still stats. Yeah, it's still stat five. Where you're getting two, three, five damage for it. Armor piercing, the lovely ricochet ability that lets you put more damage on other models, and execute, which is really good. Especially can, on a minion. Especially on a minion. They can hand out distracted and are able to just sort of get out of dodge if they're engaged by something. So all in all, pretty good model. And, and only six and, soul stones. And let's remember that they just need to discard a card to concentrate as a bonus to oh. get that sniper off. Oh yeah, especially if you got garbage cards in hand. Wonderful. So what? Let's let's continue with the minion train. What's up next? Uh, so going back to uh, Dashiell's roots, uh, sergeants. <laughs> so these guys are these guys are good on their own, but the, you know they also provide a little bit of support to uh, some of the other minions. So they've got the the normal pursue and loot their corpse. They also have lead patrol, uh, which really just helps any guard model. Uh, basically, anything with an or six gains plus one uh, move for the duration of their activation at the start of their activation. So any, basically anybody who's starting within six of them gets more movement. Uh, they also have backup, um, which is after an enemy model resolves a shoot action that damaged a friendly model within six, this model may discard a card and take a shoot action targeting the enemy. So they get some extra shots uh, for you know a discard. They've got a sword and a peace bringer. Uh, so they basically are upgraded patrolmen with uh, better stats, better damage across the board. The typical triggers on them, critical strike, drop it, and then they have puncture on their sword so they can uh, get some positive flips on their damage attacks. They also have uh, two really useful tactical actions, uh, which is one of the, you know, the big reasons you'll see them is lead the patrol to get the movement and then these tactical actions. Uh, one is consolidate par uh, power, so you target a friendly minion within 10 and you push them four inches towards a, another friendly model in line of sight. Or a new horizon where hey, you target a scheme marker, and you place the target anywhere within six inches of its current location. So, Jeez. a nice little weird way to get some extra movement or get that dispatcher out of trouble. Uh, that one does require a tome uh, to go off, but you only need a four for it. So, uh, overall, these are these are good, uh, good models, um, especially at a cost of seven. So, you'll see them in quite a few lists, and they make a good summon as well. But most of the time, you'll probably see them hired in rather than summon. Next up, dogs. Guildhounds are dogs. They're very angry, vicious dogs that have been sort of corrupted by Malifaux to be even more angry and vicious. I don't think you're really hiring them in. They're, you're hiring, you're summoning them along with other stuff, or if you really don't have anything else to summon, because they're cheap. There's three soul stones. They don't do a whole lot. They, however, can pin things down a little bit 
with uh, with hunting partner partner. So consider them like summonable speed bumps. I don't want to say that in reference to a dog, but that's kind of what you're using them for. And they have an ability called Annoying, which situational is pretty good. Forces your enemy uh, forces an enemy model to take distracted if they use a tactical action other than a walk or a charge around the guild hound. But another very simple minion that has kind of a single purpose. They're speedy too, so that helps. Oh yeah. So we mentioned judge, jury earlier. Oh geez, and, uh, okay. I did yeah. not realize that they're significant. They are significant, yeah. So they they make good scheme runners too. Okay. Go dog, go. Super super cheap scheme runners, but they're gonna die. So. Okay. Continue your. So we had judge and jury before in a different keyword. Now we have the executioners. Executioners are, if you do summon them, they are going to be the only thing you summon that turn because uh, they have a, a power uh, power cost of nine, which is uh, pretty beefy, but they are worth every soul stone. Uh, these are the big, scary bruisers who are incredibly efficient at killing things. So in addition to pursue and loot their corpse they are hard to kill they have a grit ability that allows them to use their um, ignore the cost of their trail of gore action they also have uh, nine health and and, uh, decent defenses but most importantly to them they have their executioner clause which is a two inch range stat six ignoring or uh, the target of the attack cannot declare resistant triggers it's min three damage at three four five has critical strike and you guessed it execute trigger they have the bonus action of trail of gore so they remove a target enemy scheme marker and can take a bonus action or the walk action but guess what they can target the dispatcher and instead of removing that (laughs) scheme marker they draw a card before they get this free new action they also have a bonus action juggernaut as well to get some of that extra healing in when necessary and they have a um what i think is a an underweight underrated um tactical action called scatter which is a three inch pulse that pushes all enemy models within range uh three inches away from this model so if you need to clear something out for say like uh claim jump you executioners are very good at kind of clearing the way for the model that you want sitting in the center of the board especially end of turn these guys are awesome. They're really, really, really good and really, really scary, especially with the dispatcher on the table. All right. Last up, a model we had already covered, but we'll go ahead and go over them again. This is the Warden, the only construct in this keyword, and the only one with armor in this keyword. Huh. Well, I guess Dash has. I, I mean for minions. But armor 2 on a model that only costs 5 stones is, is, is really nice, and it's a lot more significant in this crew, then I would say in Hoffman, where armor 2 is very plentiful. But as a reminder, they have a ranged slow, which is pretty useful. Their their melee attack is it's it's all right. But also the other thing you can definitely bring them in for is they're ruthless, which is just really good on a five soul stone model. Jeez. Mm-hmm. A five soul stone model with an actual good attack. Yeah. Sorry, attack. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so that's what you're bringing the warden for. And that will cover the guard keyword. Moving up next, guard being the lowest of the low, the most pathetic and most numerous people in all of the guild, we are going with the exact opposite of that, at least as far as the keywording goes. This is the elite keyword. This is the more or less the bureaucracy department of the guild. 
Uh, this is, you know, the, the lawyers and the people that handle all the, all the paperwork and uh, the investigations of Malifaux, as well as uh, doing a lot of the really dirty, underhanded dealings um, that the rest of, of Malifaux really loves the guild for. So, why don't you go ahead and talk about our love? Hmm. Okay. No. Lunch. I need. I need. Yeah. I need to go over this fluff of Lucius. Yeah, fluff. Okay. Our master is Lucius Matheson. What a wonderful man. Man in air quotes. The right honorable oh, Lucius Gustavius Fitzwilliam Matheson, probably Esquire. That is a long name, but he is uh, just the foppiest looking man with a big old puffy wig and a mask mysteriously placed on his face, and just a very loud outfit. He is the governor's secre- the governor general secretary, and he runs the elite division with um we'll say we'll say an iron fist or claws as a as a well. He is in fact actually uh, dual faction with the Neverborn. He is the Neverborn's plant inside of the guild, although his loyalties probably only lie to himself more than anything else. But he is not one to really get his hands dirty, or claws dirty. He is definitely a go-do-this-and-do-that-to-his-lovely-minions, unlike Dashiell. And he is a master manipulator, as well as the guy that uh, actually is currently in possession of what remains of Clody. He is the one that did Clody in, not Barker. Why don't you... Any, anything else to add to his fluff? He's been around for quite a long time and has been uh, a I, key aspect I mean, of he- a lot of... Stories. Yeah, I'd, I'd just say like as a as one of his the original masters in Malifaux, he's definitely one of the more iconic ones, and I'd say he's probably one of the the folks who, for a lot of people, got them interested in the game. Um, just he he's got a look that screams Malifaux when you see him and his crew. Yeah, one of the big selling points of Malifaux is not everyone's like a a general or the captain of the army and stuff like that. There are some people that are just the lawyers. And uh, they are just to be as just to be feared nearly as much, or even more so, than the likes of like Lady Justice and Pernita. So Lucius is a, I think one of the one of the cooler, uh, more flexible masters that Guild has. So he has number one on the front of his card. He has a very high willpower, uh, which makes sense for for the type of character he is more of a, a thinking man's character um he's got decent defense but he doesn't have to worry as often as others about getting hit because he has serene countenance which means that enemy attack actions uh, are at negatives to their duels against him which means that just by his existence it is harder to hit him he also has an ability called mastermind if he is the crew's leader after any player discards a pass token to skip activating he gets to draw a card he also has an arcane reservoir, meaning that he increases his hand size by one. Uh, he has an insane ability, and I mean truly insane ability, called Entourage, which is after he resolves the walk action, any number of friendly unengaged models within six inches may move up to two inches in any direction. Uh, sometimes uh, early turns you will see uh, Lucius do a lot of walking just to get some extra movement out of uh, the rest of his crew. Uh, and that is any model, not minions, any friendly model. So 
He also has Sutterfuge, which is when an enemy scheme marker would be dropped within six inches. Uh, he may discard a card, and if he does so, the friendly scheme marker drop is, is a friendly scheme marker is dropped instead. So he can turn your scheme markers into his scheme markers, which is cool. Back of his card, he has some interesting attacks. They're going to be more situational. So he's got a melee attack, his fa- fancy cane. He can do coordinated attack with it. He can uh, gain a soul stone if he kills you with it. He can throw out Distracted. Uh, he also has Hidden Sniper, which is a really cool ranged attack. Um, it is a 10-inch attack that ignores cover and can draw line of sight and range from any friendly mimic or elite model. He suffers, uh, or the target suffers 2-3-4 damage and gains injured. It also has Critical Strike. He also has a 6-inch uh, willpower attack called Misinformation, where the target be- reveals its control hand and discards up to two cards of this model's choice, then the target draws a number of cards equal to the number of cards it discarded. So he's going to mess with your hand. He's going to get to see your hand, and he's going to take away cards, and then you're going to draw new cards based on that. And then finally, his tactical action, which he will be using really frequently, is a 12-inch range stat of 7 uh, TN12, and it's essentially a obey for any friendly minion, mimic, or elite in his crew. Uh, He also has triggers on there to either end a condition on the target or um, push the target two inches away from him, uh, from Lucius. So that that ability, issue command, he is going to use for most of the game and for most of his actions uh, because it's very good, uh, especially considering that, you know, he can target his keyword models in addition to any minions, even out of keyword powerful minions like executioners he can get extra attacks out of so he is going to multiply his force and make them better and get more out of them and have the cards to do so all right lucius that dirty underhanded bastard um i mean he's a fine upstanding member of the guild how dare i say such horrific slander okay he is bringing his right hand man the secretary to the secretary it is the scribe okay first ability unseen butler Pairs up with his defensive and willpower trigger that lets him bury when he's attacked to reduce the damage. And then he can just pop up next to a scheme marker or uh, Lucius himself and heal one and focus plus one on all friendly models within two inches of him. So, pretty nice. Enemy models need to discard to cheat fate around him, which is also pretty awful. And then a stat six condition removal so at that point he can use it offensively and it will go off pretty reliably so that's really like the most interesting thing on the back of his card he's got i've got your back which is kind of is situationally also useful especially for like getting lucius out of dodge but yeah condition removal that's really effective is is a very good thing to have and especially when he can pop up you know where you need him to you know if you've got a lot of ski markers out which Mm -hmm. you can with this group yep all right, our one of our henchmen. Yes, so this is Agent 46, which is, of course, a reference to the Hitman video <laughs> games. This is Lucius's top assassin, essentially. So, uh, And everything on his card will reflect that. So he's got uh, pretty good defenses. He's incredibly fast at uh, six move. Uh, he has stealth, which means he can't be targeted from more than six inches away. He has Ruthless, which we all know is a very powerful ability to get around other powerful abilities. Uh, He has a 
Final card ability, this is the first one that we're, we're seeing really in his crew, um, but a lot of them have it called Following Orders. Uh, this is kind of a key factor to the, the Elite and Mimic crew. Uh, what it says is that once per activation, after this model resolves an action taken outside of its activation, generated by a model with a cost higher than it, this model may draw, draw a card. So when Lucius is doing his um, issuing orders, he is also getting a free card draw out of each model that he does that too. That is in keyword for, for his crew. Uh, so Agent 46, when he's getting a, an extra action, you're also getting a new card, which is great. He has a really powerful melee attack uh, called Twirling Blades with a good damage track. And it's status 6. He's got Critical Strike. He's got an Execute. Uh, he also has Pouncing Strike, which uh, places him into base contact with another enemy within 5 inches and line of sight, then he takes the uh, Twirling Blades action again, targeting that enemy model. Uh, he also has Analyze Weakness to get around armor and shielded, the trigger um, that places him into base contact with the target. So kind of, you know, studying the opponent and then get showing up right behind them, if you will, and fitting with that uh, assassin theme. Uh, he also has uh, Inhuman Physiology uh, as a bonus action, um, which basically means until the end phase, enemy models can't cheat fate uh, when targeted by his attack actions. Uh, he also has Mimic, which is, I think, one of the, one of the cooler abilities that, that he has and really can make him turn your opponent's uh, big, strong attacks against them. Basically, you select one of the target's uh, non-bonus actions that does not attach an upgrade or list a model by name, and it cannot be a master. And until the end phase, the agent treats the selected action and all of its triggers as though it were printed on its card, the stat for the action is considered to be equal to the stat for the mimic action. So his mimic action is six. So for instance, let's say he was going up against Lady Justice, or not Lady Justice, uh, the, the judge, for instance. And oh, lo and behold, that katana attack seems pretty cool. I want to have a three, four, five attack with an execute trigger on it as well. So he will end up getting, you know, or the Siphon Essence where he can, you know, get a Soul Stone after killing. Uh, so there, there's a lot of use out of it. He can really uh, pull some really interesting attacks or just uh, useful actions and be able to do them throughout his turn. It makes him very versatile and kind of blend in and fit that mimic theme as well. Okay, well, 46 is a very murdery type henchman. We have a lot more... Not schemy, just an annoying, obnoxious uh, jerk you have to deal with. And Alan Reed, being the other henchman in this keyword, he is a guild investigator that um, was running the the Seamus case for a long time, in fact. Um, then he came across something incredibly incriminating for the guild, and instead of reporting it, like... A decent person would be. He uh, he went ahead and covered it up, including killing people on his own team. So Lucius was like, "I like this guy. Let's bring him on board." Solomon Reed is the investigator, and he is yeah, he's 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 annoying. <laughs> um, he can turn off bonus actions within four inches of himself. He can discard a card to force models to be on negative flips when attacking him. Um, obviously got the following orders. Mm -hmm. He draws at the end of his activation, so even more card draw. Cool. His attacks have some really cool synergy. He's got a very 
basic two three four gun that you can take if you really need to although i think you're going to be taking other things most of the time it's got one more question which is more of a it's more of nelly's thing but it's still really good because it's a stat six range eight slow that also deals damage if they're engaged in some way on top of that you can draw a card and get a coordinated attack off sometimes on triggers you can hand out Staggered through a bonus action, which is cool, which goes really, really well with his melee attack, which is really good, despite being a zero-inch range. It's a Garot, so he's going to be choking people. Um, only a 1-2-3 damage track, however, if they have Staggered, which you can give out with the bonus action, it gains plus 2 damage, so they're at, at a 3-4-5 damage track for an investigator, which is pretty crazy. And you know what, if for some reason you failed that startle, you can just give it to them on the first attack because they have stagger on a built-in mask trigger. Managed to get a crow, he can execute them with his lovely garrote. And one of the coolest triggers in the game is on a ram, it's called Tok. Uh, when he hits a model, they have to discard two cards or they must reveal an unrevealed scheme. So one of the few ways, or only way, I'm not sure, uh, one of the few ways you can actually see, see what your opponent's going to do before they score it. Keep in mind, though, that if you hit, it with, hit them with it again, they can just reveal the same scheme over and over again. So you won't be able to see that second one unless they reveal the first one. Last but not least, uh, one of the... The, the really, really annoying thing, he's got Boring Conversation, which is a 6-inch R that says, Hey, if you're not taking a walk, you have to pass a target number 10 willpower duel, or f just don't take that action. That's awful. <laughs> it feels so good when you're playing it, and so terrible when you're playing against it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that includes bonus actions, which they can't take if they're within... So if they're not within 4... But still within seven, then they'll also have to take that test for bonus actions. Okay, that's Alan Reed, the jerk. Moving on. Moving on indeed. So, Lucius is in charge of lawyers, so let's talk about lawyers. So, these guys are not terribly well defended. Uh, they've got a defensive four, but they've got a high willpower. They have, uh, similar to Alan, they've got the Intimidating Authority, so they can discard a card to make it harder to hit them, uh, putting you out on a minus. Uh, they have the Following Orders ability. They also have some really uh, really awesome other front-of-card abilities. So they've got tools for the job. Basically, at the start of their activation, they can draw the top card of their discard pile, then discard a card, and then the card that they discarded, the suit, they can use on every action they take for the rest of the, the activation uh which is really cool so you're drawing a card and you're you know getting a free suit out of things so it's 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 a win-win uh they also have court authority which is uh, friendly models may treat this model as having a plus two cost when resolving game effects and they also have chatty which is also really annoying it means that uh enemy models within six must each discard a card to take the interact action so in a typical fashion of, you know, what a lawyer does, they throw a lot of red tape at you and that you have to kind of find your way through. So these guys gum up the works and make it really difficult to do the things that you want to do um, in, uh, in a specific area. As far as their attacks, they've got Sharp Wit to throw out Slow. Um, that is a, a melee attack. Um, they also have some really nasty triggers on it, one that can uh, push the target away. Another one that uh, forces you to discard a card or suffer three damage. They also have an Obey, 
It is only a stat 5, though, so you're going to need a 9 with a mask to have it go off. And then they have a really cool, very useful bonus action called Impassioned Defense, where the target gains uh, plus two, or shielded plus 2. Uh, and their triggers on that is that they can do it again, or they can draw a card. Uh, so really useful overall. Um, probably only going to... I Most of the time I've seen when I've played against Lucius and when I've played as him, when you take... When you, if you take a lawyer, you're probably just taking a lawyer. You might take two for chatty, but most of the time you're just taking one. Alright, next up is the unnamed investigator. Where Alan Reed was kind of the big boss of the investigators. These are just the regular investigators, which are still still pretty darn good. These are definitely more anti-scheme than what Alan was doing. But they have plenty of other shenanigans as well. Got the intimidating authority thing to discard to put people on negatives when they're attacked. They have, it's stand back, it's evidence, which says if a corpse scrap or scheme is dropped within four of them, they can move a model that was with that was close to that marker up to three inches. So this can definitely be used offensively or defensively, get your friendlies out of a sticky situation or move an enemy model away for something they want to be near. Plenty of utility. When they activate, they can remove a scheme, corpse, or scrap marker within four inches of them to draw a card. So, even more card draw. Awesome. Back of the card, they also have a garrote, which is an even better stat than Alan does. On a seven, uh, they can choke someone for one, two, three damage, or three, four, five if they have staggered. And lo and behold, they have the stagger trigger built in as well. Also, no witnesses. Hooray. Oh, God. <laughs> So if they get so if the opponent so the enemy model is staggered and they get the crow trigger for no witnesses on a stat seven which is going to happen decent amount of time they deal plus one damage and ignore armor if they are not within line of sight of an enemy model or twelve at, at, within line of sight and twelve inches of an enemy model which is not that difficult to do if you're trying for it especially at zero inches you're going to be really up close on whatever you're attacking so. Uh, yeah, min 4 isn't that difficult to do <laughs> with the investigator. Ow. Um, got an interrogate attack, which makes them discard a card in the third close to a friendly scheme marker. You can draw a card. And their tactical action, active crime scene, that turns off enemy scheme markers within 4 inches. They can't be interacted at any, in any way by the enemy models, and they don't count for schemes and strategies. Which is really good. It's very good. Okay, false witnesses... Kill them if you see it. Anyone who's listening to this for looking for stuff to, like, what you need to uh, worry about, worry about the false witness. Manipulative, so activate them late so enemies are on negative flips if they try to attack them. Have distraction, which is really good. Enemy models within two inches of them are negatives to willpower duels, and you've got some decent willpower duels in this keyword, and another keyword that they belong to. If an enemy model within eight inches of them takes the interact action, hey, they gain a focus. You're not going to get a lot of use out of those focuses, but you're, they're going to get focused. And another really lovely ability called Innocent Bystander. If they're attacked by someone and that attack does not have a target number, that target it instantly gains a target number of 12. So they're going to have to use at least a moderate card to hit this model every time. So... Really, really good. Um, last but not least, exclusive interview. A lot of this is very journalist stuff. That's the keyword they they share. 
with an exclusive interview basically lets them take control of any interact actions that happen within two inches of them so suddenly you're they're putting down a friendly scheme marker as opposed to an enemy scheme marker or uh, instead of picking one up they, they do the same thing so pretty useful their one attack action is jacques which puts adversary on the enemy model and if they're engaging this model they take one two three damage nice Trigger for giving out distracted, plus a little additional damage, as well as one where they must remove a scheme marker friendly to them or they suffer two damage. So a lot of extra little damage in here that's not immediately on the attack. Pretty cool. And it's a willpower duel, so, you know, if they're within two inches of you, they're on negative flips. But, you know, just to lay into that pain a little bit, tactical actions, the one you've got to be afraid of is Tell No Lies. It says, for a 7, within 3 inches of this model, enemy models cannot cheat fate. Or, sorry, models within range cannot cheat fate. So, keep your stuff out of this bubble. They'll be fine, because all they're going to be doing is using Jacques, which is going to be easy to go off because your opponent's on negatives if they're next to them. But yeah, just turning off... Turning off the ability to cheat is really, really good. It's really good. It's really good. Last but not least, False Claim lets them throw out ski mark, two ski markers, and at the end of the, the turn, they have to remove one A ski marker, any, any friendly ski marker, so you can put one in your backfield and then be able to use both of those if you so choose. That's the False Witness. Also, if you don't know what a False Witness is, these are people that are paid to give false testimony against other people, so just find upstanding citizens. Alright, we're gonna go ahead and get into the Neverborn models that come along with Lucius. Now instead of them also having the elite keyword, Lucius is also has the Mimic keyword. So these are the Mimic models he's pulling over from, from the Neverborn. First up is the Changeling, small little four soulstone model Mimic that's got stealth, Got manipulative, so more or less fairly difficult to bring down unless you've already engaging him when you activate, because he also has disguised, so definitely some good defensive tech in there. Got that following orders that everyone else has on the back of the card, weirdly enough. Not dealing any damage. He's got whispered truths that pulses out a target number 13 duel or they gain slow. Which is pretty useful. And the one very interesting, clever thing is just like you which lets them copy a non-bonus tactical action from a model within 5 inches. Now, if it has a stat, though, it's at a minus 2 stat, but there are a lot of tactical actions in the game, a lot of tactical actions in guild and this keyword, so you'll find something useful. Definitely. Okay, I had to remove this audio I recorded of the doppelganger, so here's the redo. Doppelganger comes in at 8 points with a 5-5 five, five for defensive willpower and a move of 6, so a little bit fast. Has a manipulative that the Changeling did, so a little bit on defense, better to activate them late than early. Has Don't Mind Me, which lets them play scheme markers even while engaged. Has the disguised ability, so they are relatively survivable, can stop the attacks from charges, and obviously the manipulative putting things on negatives unless she's already activated. Has the following orders that the Lucius crew has normally. The back of the card, Staggering Punch, zero-inch range attack that gives out two, three, four damage and staggered. 
with the lovely No Witnesses trigger, so a little bit of extra damage there on occasion, and the Lure, which is very, very useful for putting models out of position. 12-inch uh, range, status 6, so pretty reliable on that. Um, trigger to deal damage or to move this model after the attack goes off. Two tactical actions, one blend in, which says that until the end phase this model has concealment, so a little bit of extra defense if you got them running schemes. The other one, which I think you'll be using more often, is Mimic, which we already talked about how Agent 46 has, but this is on a stat of 7 instead of 6, so even more reliable and even more cheese with things that target something besides defensive willpower. Last but not least, after the Mimic goes off, if you get the Crow on it, you can force the target to discard a card or suffer 3 damage. So all in all, a pretty useful piece for your crew. Alright, we so can't... Next up, my boy Bass. Yep, next up is the newest keyword in the guild. This is the Frontier keyword. These are the guild law, infish, yeah, law enforcers out in the, uh, the Badlands, out in the Knotwoods, out in the uh, Northern Hills, protecting the poor people in Malifil from the evil things that go bump in the night. Um, because Perdita can't be everywhere at once. And Perdita only handles Neverborn. There's other bad things out there, like you know, gremlins or dirty arcanists or dirtier ten thunders or mercenaries <laughs> uh stuff like that uh the master for this keyword is cornelius bass cornelius bass being an homage to bass reeves the first marshal u.s marshal uh yeah first african-american u.s marshal awesome cool and he's yeah, sporting complete badass yes this guy looks like a complete badass with his cigarette and his extremely amazing mustache and his big old shotgun. Um, he is the second cowboy in the faction and in the cowboy faction. He is a cowboy man. He is blackmailed into working for the guild. Uh, more or less, they threaten to send him back Earthside where he's wanted by uh, the United States for killing a corrupt judge. Corrupt corrupt judge's son and his daughter did that and we'll get into his daughter later but it is a father-daughter duo in this keyword and any other interesting things about him you want to say he was you know kind of like a frontier justice man back on earth side so that's what the guild is using him for yeah i mean i'd say that um you know we kind of talked a little bit about how before about how lady J is one of the you know few members of the guild who you know is not a completely horrible person. <laughs> um, I, I would say that uh, of all the, the guild masters and guild characters, I'd say that Cornelius is probably the the best of them, as far as like as just being a decent person. You could say that Bass is a decent person, fluff-wise. Yes, I agree. But how... Which makes him a, a rarity. Does he play... <laughs> So he's really cool. Ooh, ooh, I, I ooh, ooh. Front, frontier keyword abilities. Yeah, uh, remember, yes. remember to remind you this time. <laughs> yes. So the the frontier keyword itself. Um, so they've got some really neat abilities. The most important and one of the, the most interesting, I would say, is home on the range plus one. When deploying, every friendly model with this ability can deploy plus one inch beyond this crew's deployment zone. Confirm from weird, because I know the, the wording and everything else seems kind of weird on it. 
this stacks. So for every one of your frontier models that you are taking that has home on the range, you are deploying an additional inch per model, which is a pretty big deal. Um, I will say that most of the time I'm getting anywhere between six and eight extra inches of deployment. Uh, you don't always need it, uh, but it's nice to have depending on, on the encounter. So, so that's uh, one of their abilities. The other uh, big one that they have is favorable terrain, which is that the models are unaffected by severe terrain. And while the model is in severe terrain or within one inch of impassable terrain, they have cover. Why is this important, aside from just being really cool of getting some extra cover? Is the fact that uh, almost all, not all, but almost all of uh, the Frontier models also have a tactical action bonus action called Kick Up Dust with a 3-inch range and a stat of 5 and a target number of 10 uh, that drops a 50 millimeter Concealing Severe Dust Cloud marker anywhere within range. During the end phase, you remove the dust cloud. So... Really, they can kind of guarantee themselves cover and concealment a lot of the time and be unaffected by the severe terrain, which is pretty sweet. Uh, so those are really the, the main uh, keyword abilities. One of the big uh, kind of recurring keyword, or a couple of the big keyword triggers that you'll see quite often is a field kit, uh, which is on a tome. And this you'll see on some attack and tactical actions as a trigger. And that is after resolving one friendly model within Aura 3 heals 1, 2, 3. Uh, you'll also frequently see uh, severe injury, which uh, throws out injured for each crow in the action's final duel total to a maximum of plus 2. So uh, those are the, the really big uh, keyword specific triggers and abilities that you'll see uh, across the board in Frontier. And as for the man himself, Cornelius yeah. Bath. So he has home on the range. He has favorable terrain. Uh, he also has a very high defensive six. Uh, he's got hard to kill. Uh, he has a really neat defensive trigger called Tingled in the Briars, uh, which is after resolving, you push uh, him two inches away from the attacking model. And if the action was a melee action and the attacking model is within two inches of severe terrain and its activation. So you can basically end the activation when model who tries to strike at him. This is important because... The, the positioning on it is important because they need to be within uh, severe terrain, but when you're doing things right as a, a pass player, you're always going to have severe terrain around somewhere. In addition, he has Gunfighter, so it turns his uh, shoot actions into a, a range 1 melee uh, when necessary. Uh, he also has uh, a 12 health, so he's, he's pretty beefy. Not, not the beefiest, but he's, he's got some health to him and, and survivability. Uh, he has, for his attack actions, um, he has a Chesterfield shotgun. For anybody familiar with uh, Mad Dog Bracket, it's uh, a similar shotgun, but I'd argue that in some ways this one is even better, uh, mainly because he can use it in melee. Um, <laughs> but it's got an 8-inch range. It's got a 3, 4, 5 damage track, all with a blast. Uh, he has the High Noon trigger, which uh, he gains shielded plus 2 on a ram. Uh, then he's got that severe injure, injury trigger. He also has one of my absolute favorite uh, attack actions in the game, um, to be quite honest, uh, called Caught in Quicksand. So 12-inch uh, range, of a magic attack um, stat of 7 against move for Ooh. the resist. So he, it, the action ignores concealment, 
the target suffers 1, 2, 3 damage and gains injured plus 1. If the target is in severe terrain, place it within 1 inch of that terrain, not in terrain. The utility of that action is insane, especially considering the fact that most of the time you're going to play with forests and a lot of other like large areas that are severe. So he can target those, you know, ability, those models, whether it's, you know, a scary, you know, beater about to bear down on him or somebody else, or a super speedy, you know, scheme runner that's just activated to try and get into position for the next turn and target them. And you don't really care about the damage. Uh, the injured is nice, but what you actually care about is putting them just within one inch of that terrain, not in the terrain. So on like one of those like large eight inch area you know, um, severe terrain forest, you know, templates, you can teleport them to the complete opposite side and thus negate all the movement that they did <laughs> and hard work. So it's, it's, it's a really fun ability. It's got two really uh, interesting uh, triggers. So there's one on a ram that's uh, sandworm. Uh, it's once per activation. Immediately change this action's effect to target suffers two blast, three blast, four double blast damage. Remove all destructible terrain within pulse three of the target. Uh, especially probably good against you know a Rasputina player. And then he, he has uh, among the willows, which uh, target must be in terrain. Choose a terrain terrain the target was in when this trigger was declared until the end phase. That terrain is treated as hazardous. Tactical actions: He has stoic nod targeting another friendly model, and that model heals one, two, three. He also has Kick Up Dust, just like the rest of his crew. Um, his does have a uh, reposition trigger to get a 3-inch move out of it. And then uh, one of the sneaky, really good abilities, tactical action, bonus actions that he has is Claim the Bounty on Pulse of 4. Remove all scheme markers within range, and then for each marker removed by this action, this model may draw the top card of its discard pile. Ooh. So, for anybody who struggles sometimes against um, Leave Your Mark, uh, Bass is the ultimate screw you to Leave Your Mark. <laughs> so that's him. I'd say as far as like style for him, he's just really flexible. He's got some decent range, uh, mid-range for doing damage with that uh, shotgun, but you're n almost never afraid to, you know send him into a, a melee, especially if you see like two things clumped together. He's really good at defending areas but he's also really good at uh moving models and things around the board um and doing some denial so he, there's a lot of flexibility he's really cool he he can do a lot and you know you throw a lead-lined coat upgrade on him and he's gonna be tougher <laughs> to deal with all right cornelius is accompanied by his daughter bernadette who is his totem this is a very violent lady according to her card <laughs> Um, got the home out on the range, favorable terrain, all that jazz. Um, defense 5, 4 willpower, not that great. Hard to kill, which is very useful on a model with no other defensive tech and only 4 wounds. But that kind of plays into her weird, janky playstyle, and I really like her, the way that she works. She also has Grit Frantic, which says when she's at half or fewer health... She gains a positive flip to her attack actions, both the duel and the damage, which is pretty useful. Back of her card, she's just got a knife. Good old-fashioned knife. Nothing special about it. Zero-inch range, one, three, four damage, crit strike, and survival skills, which is a tome, which is kind of like the field kit, but she can only heal herself. 
Uh, one, two, three. But that is built in. So if she gets the attack off, she can heal. Good. Bring it is an ability I'm very familiar with that moves the model its move plus two inches towards this model. The target takes a attack action against this model, which is not that great of a thing, but they can't declare triggers and they suffer a negative on any resulting damage. After that happens, she has a trigger that's not built in on a ram that says it can she can take an attack action back, add a positive to the duel. Last but not least, kick up dust, like most of the other models have. So her sort of ideal round is using bring it on a model, setting them in base contact with her. They attack her, deal damage to her, and two is by far the most common minute weak damage in the game. So that is going to put her at half health. Hooray, that procs grit. She gets the grip and tear off on her bring it. So she's attacking at uh, with a double positive and a positive on the damage. So a moderate of three and a severe of four is going to be seen more often than you would normally think. And then immediately takes the knife action again at a double positive and a positive on the damage. Selecting survival skills that will hopefully just heal her right back up to full. And getting a model completely out of position and maybe <laughs> next to her dad, who's then going to shoot them in the face. That's if they're still alive taking possibly 7-8 damage. 6-7-8 damage on her activation. So that's how Bernadette do. I mean, I've, t I've tied up like actual henchmen with her. It's great. Oh, goody. All right. So speaking of henchmen, how's our henchmen? So, we've already talked about executioners, and Mr. Jonathan Reichardt is an ex-executioner. Uh, so, he, <laughs> he, uh, so, typically, he, uh, to the rest of the crew, he's got home on the range, he's got favorable terrain, he's got the kick of dust uh, tactical action. Uh, he also has disguise, which is really cool. He cannot be the target of actions generated by the charge action, so something can't charge him in attack. Uh, he also has hard to kill. He also has Grit Hardened, uh, so when he's at half his health, he reduces all damage suffered by plus one. Uh, he also has 10 health. He's got a pretty high willpower at six and the defense of five. Uh, he has Executioner Claws, just like the Executioner. <laughs> uh, the, you know, at a stat of six with that range two, uh, ignores uh, resistance triggers, and the three, four, five damage track, he has critical strike, so he can end up getting a min of four with a ram, or Ugh. five, actually, depending if he spends a stone. He also has sweeping strike, uh, which is really gross, especially if uh, things are clumped <laughs> together, so when uh, resolving, the target suffers a plus blast to the damage. So, pretty nasty uh, melee attack. He also, just like Bernadette, has Bring It. And his is a little bit better because his stat is higher. Yep. Uh, he also has a trigger, uh, only, just one trigger. It's called Hold Down. If the model is engaging the target, another friendly model with line of sight to the target may take a shoot atta uh, attack action against the target, ignoring friendly fire. And there's a lot of guns in a bass crew. There's a lot of really good guns in a bass crew. So once he, uh, if he gets that uh, trigger it and somebody engaged with him, it's pretty great because you're going to get a free shot from somebody else, and then he's probably going to Executioner Claw them. Uh, interestingly, his Executioner Claws do not have the Execute trigger. I think that's important to note. <laughs> uh, it doesn't come on all of them. So... He also, tactical action, uh, his other tactical action is Stoic Nod, just like uh, Bass. 
so he can target another friendly model and have them heal one, two, three. And that Stoic Nod is definitely a, a cool fit, fitting in theme with the whole uh, cowboy western, you know, frontier justice uh, aspect of the crew. So, so that's Jonathan. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks who say that he's he's not ideal. I've gotten a lot of use out of him though. Um, there are things that I wish you know. Wish he had a little bit of extra oomph, maybe defensively, but for the most part, I think he's still a really strong and definitely a fun model to, to utilize on the table. And the sculpt on him is gorgeous. All right, I'm actually going to do an audible here, and I'm going to ask you to cover our newest model because I think it makes the rest of the crew work really well. Yes. If you don't mind, so go ahead and start off with our newest enforcer. Oh. Yes, so we've got a brand new enforcer called the Sandworm. It's a baby. Yes, so the Sandworm is kind of a a missing link, if you will. Uh, We are just revealed it as part of some of their rollouts for uh, the Explorer Society, and uh, but I've already gotten several games in with the Sandworm. Uh, So. First and foremost, what's important is that the same worm is a beast that will come in when we uh, talk about one of our other enforcers. Um, but the sandworm also has some really interesting and familiar mechanics, especially probably for uh, a lot of folks who have uh, played against Arcanists. Um, <clears throat> so his his stats themselves, his defensive stats are not the greatest. He's got a forward defense, four willpower. Um, he does have a defensive trigger, uh, which is on a mask. Uh, after resolving, you can bury him. Uh, he has the favorable terrain ability. He has home on the range. He also has hard to wound, and he has jaws of the beast, which is other friendly frontier models may ignore negatives to their attack actions when targeting enemy models engaged by this model. Oh, that's so, so good. So you can use him to tie something up and then shoot the dickens out of it after you know he's gotten wherever you're you've sent him so he also has nine health so at a cost of eight pretty beefy and uh fairly survivable um in my experience so far his attack action is his savage bite with a uh one inch range set of sticks but it's got a three four five damage track and some really really useful and wonderful honestly uh triggers so on a ram he can tear off a bite to heal two on a tome, he can thrash to remove all destructible terrain within an inch of him. And then uh, my personal favorite with him is on a um, crow trigger, The he gets quicksand. The target and all enemy models within pulse two of the target must pass a target number 15 duel or gain slow. Oh my so god. That, yeah, so throwing him into a, uh, into a group and getting the, you know, when you've got a high crow in hand can be a lot of fun. So... In addition to, he's got a bevy of tactical actions. He has Sandstorm, which is a two-inch aura. Uh, until the end phase, non-frontier models treat the area within range as severe, concealing, and hazardous. And remember that those uh, conceal those uh, attack the attack action that um, Bass has that targets things in severe. So you can literally create new severe terrain with the with Sandstorm. He also has a trigger on that that creates a dust cloud marker, or that um, has dust mar- cloud markers within four are not removed during the end phase. So that's also big to keep some of that out there. He also has two bonus actions. One is Terror from Below. Uh, it is a seven with a uh, tome built in and a target number of 10. The action can be only taken while buried, and it unburies him. 
anywhere on the table uh, into base contact with severe terrain. Uh, until the start of the model's next activation, it's ignored for friendly schemes and strategies and cannot take the interact action. Uh, he has two triggers on that that allows him to either take an attack action when he does so, or the thrash, which allows him to destroy more destructible terrain. Uh, and then his final bonus action is on a, it's a stat of five target number 10, and he can bury the model bury himself, and then on a uh, crow trigger, he can also drop Concealing Severe Dust Marker Cloud in base contact with him. He's really good. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, a, he, he's a beefy, uh, survivable model who is going to teleport around the board. He's also going to do quite a bit of damage, and yeah, you can use him for scheming, but the way the terror from below is worded, you definitely have to do some sort of, you know, kind of long plan scheming with him because you're not going to be able to do so once he pops back up onto the board but yeah he he gets a lot done for the crew and is kind of you know i wouldn't say that I, I think the crew is playable without him but the addition of him makes the crew feel a little bit more complete oh my god yes <laughs> i would just want just, just a lot of fun i even yeah. played with him against a, a terra player uh last week and <laughs> even though i knew it was going to be a bad idea i just wanted to have it on the table and he still got work done Nice. Yeah, let me complain about Jaws of the Beast. It hasn't been used against me, but oh my goodness, this ability is so stinking good. Because you, you, so you initial glance, you're like, oh, so, you know, now all those dust clouds I'm kicking out my models can just ignore the concealment those give the enemy models when I shoot through them. But that's not just it. Uh, they'll also ignore friendly fire. Which is good. They'll ignore manipulative. They'll ignore serene countenance. They'll ignore intimidating authority. Anything that puts you on a negative, you suddenly don't have to worry about. And that's a lot of defensive tech in the game that you're not initially thinking about. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> Goodness. He, 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 gets, he gets a lot of work done. I will say that expect your opponent to gun for him. Oh, yes. Also, you know, he's big and scary stat-wise. Once you know, once we see the sculpt, you know, and seeing the image, he's just big and scary anyway. He's gonna have a target pain on his back, but he's a lot of fun, and you should use him. <laughs> okay, moving on to the other enforcer, Paul Crockett, the man that can be brought into four different factions. Paul is from the Arcanist, actually, dual keyword Chimera and Frontier. He is obviously an allu an allusion to Davy Crockett. He is kind of a... He's a sniper character. He's got a 14-inch gun, which is was the only 14-inch gun in this crew. But he has an ability that was completely unusable with Frontier up until the introduction of this worm. That's called Scent of Blood. It says, when he damages an enemy, the a friendly beast may discard a card to take a melee attack against that model. And now, Frontier has a friendly beast in the sandworm with a pretty with a pretty good attack action. And because this ability works this way, it's not from a trigger. So I'm pretty sure he can declare his own triggers on that, correct? He sure can. Awesome. Wonderful. Um, he'll put enemy models on negative flips to damage if they're within two inches of him. Just any damage they flip. It's great. Ignore friendly fire. Um, he's got a melee attack if he really has to, but I'm sure you want to be using his long carbine, which is a 14-inch range. Doesn't have the sniper ability, but still, the 14 inches is pretty far, especially since you have home on the range and the crew, letting you put him up where he wants. Ignores concealment, also really great. And coordinated attack, which is yet another thing he can use with 
Oh my god. <laughs> I just yeah. re- didn't realize you can I, use coordinated I, attack and scent of blood for the same action. I I I've done it. Oh, and that's it's dis- it's awesome. It's disgusting. It's so, much fun. <laughs> it's so disgusting. Uh you can remove an enemy scheme mark to draw off the top of a discard pile, and of course he's kicking up dust. But that's Paul. Relatively simple and now a lot more useful with the sandworm. On a personal note, uh, since we're, you know, this is Steam Powdered Scoundrels and all, <laughs> and everybody should know who uh, Nate is, I purposely painted mine, and I've shown Nate, I painted mine to look like Nate with his luxurious, scraggly ginger beard. I mean, he does also look about as mentally stable as Nate as well. It's it's the eyes, I think. Uh-huh. Okay, let's, you, get, let's get into, let's get into Minions. Yes, so there's a uh, there's a lot of cool minions here, and the first one that we're talking about is the good old fashioned frontiersman. Uh, so they have a pretty basic stat line. They they cost five. They've got five health. They've got five defense, five willpower. They have the home on the range, favorable terrain. They have the kick up dust, but they have two really uh, neat front card abilities. One is called deputy, and that's uh, once per activation after an enemy model damages a friendly frontier model within or a six. This model may discard a card to take a ranged attack action, which receives a plus target plus flip targeting the enemy model. Uh, so basically, they get a little bit of a, a quick draw interrupt like shot that they can you know uh, shoot off. And then they also have survivalist, which is when they heal, they heal an additional plus one health, uh, which with all the field kits and the stoic nods out there means that Ooh, yeah. you know even getting a min healing flip is pretty powerful on these guys. So as far as attacks, they've got a uh, stat 5 uh, 1-inch range Tomahawk with a 2-3-4 damage uh, track. They've got that field kit. They also have You're Coming With Me uh, for some uh, repositioning so they can push the target up to 3 inches in any direction and then place themselves in base contact with the target. Uh, they've got a 12-inch range stat 5 Clockwork Revolver with a 2-3-5 damage track. Uh, they have the Puncture triggers to gain positive flips on the damage flip. Uh, and they also have the severe injury to throw out that injury. Uh, one of the other big reasons you take them is for movement shenanigans, because their other bonus action is follow my path. Other friendly model only. Uh, with a 6-inch range, you can move the target up to 2 inches, and that's for free. There's no TN, no flip. So these guys, as a at 4 or 5-point minion, you know, even though on the surface they don't seem like anything stands out, you got to remember that they're getting to deploy... Off, more often than not, six to eight inches, you know, further out uh, from their normal deployment zone. So they can still get some uh, opponents, you know, table half scheming done early or late in the game. But they also have, you know, a really, you know, for all intents and purposes, a really good ranged attack for a five cost model. So, okay, uh, we're going to get into a two minion pairs of models that go well with each other or completely rely on each other. So, first up is the Ostringer, which is a falconer that the guild employs, and they are very keying off of this uh, this upgrade they attach to themselves when they begin the game called Skybound Alley, which sort of operates as the bird that is their partner. Typical home on the range, favorable, favorable terrain, Six health at a cost seven with no defensive uh, abilities whatsoever is not great, but you have something built into that upgrade that will help you survive a little bit longer. 
We've got a knife attack if they really need to use it. Zero inch range. Puncture to give out a little bit more damage, but it's a stat four, so you probably don't want to be using it. However, you could use it for the tome trigger if you need to, which will let you attach the Skybound Ally upgrade again if you were to lose it. I've got a gun, 12 inches, fight, stat 5, 2, 3, 5, pretty typical with crit strike, and kick up dust. So not a whole lot until you look up the upgrade they're adding, which again counts as the bird. First thing that it gives them is the ability to discard the upgrade to reduce damage they suffer down to zero for an attack. So basically he sacrifices the bird to save his own skin. It also gives him the Demise ability, so if you want him to die, then you summon a bird next to him, a trained raptor, which we'll get into later. And last but not least, gives them another bonus action that gives them a 14-inch attack, so this is basically them telling the bird to attack, which ignores cover, concealment, and line of sight for a 1-3-4 damage track, including crit strike and onslaught as those triggers. Um, so, tell us about the birds. <laughs> Uh, the birds have been stolen from Arcanus. Damn it. One. I wasn't going to so get salty are... about it until you brought it up. <laughs> uh, so these are the trained raptors. Um, and they're weird. I'll, I'll just come out and say it. They're a little weird. Uh, so they, they have a move of seven, which is great, and they're size one. They have very low defenses at defense four and three willpower. They are insignificant. They have three health, but they can fly. They've got flight. And they only have two actions. So the first is their tactical action. They can remove a corpse marker and base contact with them and summon another trained raptor with slow anywhere on the table at least three inches from enemy models. Huh. They also have their attack action, which is Talons, uh, which is a stat five zero inch range, and the target suffers one, two, three damage. So not the not not anything that's gonna, you know. Uh, set the world on fire, but they do have some interesting triggers to make the talons not entirely too weak. So one of them is mutilate, which uh, hands out slow, and if the target already had slow, then they get gain plus one damage. And then on a mass, they have rake the eyes, and you choose a suit, and the target must reveal the top three cards of its fate deck and discard any of the chosen suit, and then the, you place the rest on top of the deck in any order. So you can use the trained raptors to try and get some like, you know, card leverage against your opponent. The problem is that I think it, it would probably be a little teensy bit better if they had that trigger built in, because right now you have, you know, models that don't have the greatest uh, melee attack who are super fast but insignificant. So mm -hmm. they, they are, you know, most of the time you're going to use them to kind of gum up the works a little bit strategically, especially with circle over your head if you can kind of summon another raptor uh, close to an enemy model. They can then charge in and, you know, disrupt mm -hmm. somebody's plans for a little bit, and especially at that three health. So, uh, but they are definitely, I would say, a finesse piece, even as a, a three cost model. Usually three cost models are not very finesse, but the trained raptor definitely is. Okay, um, but yeah, 40, 40 millimeter base can definitely be used for body blocking, and you've got them for free if you bring an Ostringer and the Ostringer dies, so. Decent for three soul stones. Not, shouldn't expect a whole ton from three soul stones, but they'll do work. And technically, you can use them for uh, Paul Crockett's ability if you really wanted to. <laughs> 
I guess yeah, that I guess, previously I, they were the only ones for Frontier that you could. Yeah, I, I didn't even I didn't even think about them when thinking about that ability because that their attack is pretty pretty weak. So I apologize for forgetting that. But moving on to the other pair, uh, this is the Pathfinder and his little little boys. Pathfinder is a giant of a man. <laughs> the models the model's pretty huge. Yeah, I'm I'm dumb. There's plenty of 14-inch guns in this keyword. I apologize for being wrong. Pathfinder's bringing himself a gun and some traps. He's got the lovely follow my path ability that he can apply at the very beginning of the game that pushes a friendly model within six of him up to two inches, which includes himself. So that move of five becomes 12 inches total if you do a double walk at the beginning of the turn. Typical Frontier abilities also has the knife, which isn't terribly great at a stat 5. Crit Strike, hooray. Um, shove Backwards. Yeah, shove, shove Backwards is a trigger on a mask for the knife that lets a friendly clockwork trap move towards the target and take a melee attack action against them. And we'll get into clockwork traps real quick, but of course... I'll bring in the Long Carbine, 14 inches, stat 5, 2, 4, 5 damage track, can get armor piercing or give out slow if you have the appropriate triggers. Can also summon clockwork traps, hey, hooray, that sort of thing. So, three different bonus actions on a six-cost model, which is kind of crazy. But, why don't you talk about those traps he's summoning? Yeah, and real quick, also, the Carbine ignores concealment, too. Yes. As if insult to injury was not <laughs> So yeah, so the clockwork traps are uh, really interesting. Um, you'll you'll see folks honestly hire them or summon them or both in a bass crew, and I'll say that there's legit legitimacy to doing any of it. So they are a two cost model. They have incredibly low willpower because they don't actually have a brain. I'm surprised that it's not a one, uh, but it's a two willpower uh, defense four. They only have a three movement um, and they're size one. So I know not the greatest looking stats on the face of it. Uh, they are insignificant as well, but they do, and they only have two health, but they do have armor plus two. They also have from the shadows. So they can be deployed anywhere uh, when you take them. Uh, when you when you hire them in, they can be deployed anywhere, not within six of the enemy deployment zone. Uh, they also have an ability called Hunting Partner, uh, which means that friendly models attack actions ignore the model for the purposes of friendly fire. And enemy models within Aura 1 must discard a card to declare the disengage. So disengage also is never a full guarantee, and now they're punishing you for even trying it. So they their actions, they have um, Trapping Jaws as their attack. It's a range of 1, stat 5 against move, and the target suffers 1, 2, 3 damage, but more importantly, they gain staggered. They also have the puncture trigger to gain the extra uh, plus flips for each ram. Uh, on damage, they also have your coming with me to push the target in 3 inches and then place into base contact with the target. And, and this is really fun, they have creep along, so <laughs> they, can push, they can push their move in inches towards a friendly model in line of sight. And then on a uh, ram trigger can take the sudden strike trigger, which uh, allows them to take an attack action. So between follow my path and creep along and uh, their own actual move of three, which is still, you know, it's not great, but it's still pretty decent. And the fact that they have from the shadows and the fact that the um, pathfinder can, you know, get it to uh, get them to move as well at the end of uh, 
yeah, at the end of his activation, get a walk out of them. They actually can get pretty decently far up the board or into the places you needed them to, to pretty much gum up the works or to tie down an enemy model uh, and would be really annoying. Um, in fact, I've... Uh, you can ask Roman how much fun it is to have Tony Ironsides <laughs> basically gummed up and her crew by these traps where that's not the thing they want to be trying to disengage from or punching throughout the game. So clockwork traps are definitely fun. There's viability to the summon or to bringing them in. I suggest doing both when if you do decide to take that Pathfinder. But always, if you're going to use a trap, always have a Pathfinder. Okay, last is our other reveal model from the Explorer Society. This is the Rough Rider, which is a dual keyword with the Wastrel keyword. Um, so good. Lucky for, lucky for McCabe. Um, defense 5, willpower 4, boo. Move a 6, though, because he's on a horse. Fairly slow horse, but he's still on a horse. Um, typical favorable terrain, home on the range. Gains the looted supplies ability from the Wastrel keyword. That says they can remove a scrap or course marker within one inch of it to draw a card and survivalist to help with its healing. The back is. Uh, sorry, real quick, lose supplies. They don't even have to remove it, they just have to be within one. Oh! Inch. My bad. Goody. <laughs> um, attack actions trampling hooves, zero inch, horses kicking people. Uh, two, three, four damage and gives injured, and this model can place any base contact with the target, so. A little bit of extra movement shenanigans if you need to. A repeating rifle. You got another 14-inch gun. Uh, step 5 with a positive flip built in. So if you have no other way to ignore the concealment you're giving out with the kick-up dust, these guys will at least be able to negate the negative with their positive, which is great. Could strike built in, uh, not built into that, but on the attack. Can kick up dust. If they need to, and further for the benefit of that, they also gain the reposition trigger, which is built in. So on a five, they can put up a severe uh, dust cloud marker and then push three inches. But if you want more movement and don't need that dust cloud marker, you've got ride with me on a seven, push five inches, and can bring along a friendly model. That was within two inches of them when they declared the action. And if you happen to have a tome on this, they got field kits. So they can heal, or they can heal that friendly model, or they can heal another friendly model that they end up close next to. A very nice utility model with some good speed for a crew that wasn't too terribly fast. Yeah, and since these guys have dropped uh, into the app, I've played a lot with them as well, and... I can tell you that one of the, the big complaints before about uh, Jonathan Reichert, and even a little bit Bass, but mostly Reichert, was you know the lack of mobility, right? Well, these Rough Riders definitely solve that, because those guys are both size 2, which means that these size 3 moder- uh, riders can ride with me, each of them. And honestly, it will not be uncommon, I think, to see two Rough Riders in a crew, just to get that extra movement shenanigans, especially for some of the slower individuals in the crew. But that's your delivery system for if you go like more melee-centric with bass, and especially if you need to bring Jonathan to beat somebody's face in. All right. That is it for the Frontier keyword. We will move on to the last keyword before we quickly cover the versatiles after that, moving right along. Next up is the one keyword I've played in... Guild. I, I've, I'm embarrassed to say it, but thank you to my Discord for making me play. The journalist keyword with Nellie Cochran. Journalists being j- journalists. They're the, they're the news people. 
you've got a bunch of news people out in the middle of a war zone covering Fake the news. war and uh, just being as obnoxious as possible. This is unannoy. This is like the annoying keyword in in guild, and um, yeah, they play real weird. Um, Jonas obviously run. Uh, Run by Nellie Cochran. She doesn't run the uh, propaganda department. That's another guy. But she is the editor-in-chief of the Malifaux Tattler, one of the two official newspapers in Malifaux. And she's all about getting that scoop and uh, getting that exclusive interview and just annoying the ever-loving crap out of everyone while doing so. It is a lovely keyword to point to when you say, hey, Malifaux is not all about killing, because just like Lucius... These are just a bunch of reporters out in the field, and they're not really good at the whole fighting and killing things, but they can still win games pretty handily just by doing what they do. So, um, you know what? Why don't... <laughs> would it be okay if I, I mean, took I, Nelly I, on this? I was, Yeah, I was going to say, why don't we actually switch for once? the art? The, the R's and D's for, for this one. Okay. you've actually gotten just a lot more in, and... I've I've played some games even out of keyword with uh, Alice, and I've not played much with Fiona. So I think if we just switch the R and D's, we'll we'll be good there. Okay, sounds great. Nellie Cochran is what pro- either my number one most hated model in Malifaux or the uh, number two, uh, pretty up there. Um, this is just coming from Fluff. She is uh, supposed to be obnoxious, and she does a very very good job of that. Her name is. Uh, not quite a portmanteau, but there is a famous undercover sort of report, a lady who sort of generated the idea of undercover reporting um, back in the day. Nellie Bly. Nellie Bly, whose real name was Elizabeth Cochran Seaman. Okay, so there we go. Nellie Bly. Oh, Nellie Bly is the pen name. Her real name is Elizabeth Cochran. So, Nellie Cochran, there we go. Nelly is bringing a stat 6 on her defense and willpower. Awesome. Uh, move 5, pretty generic. And uh, just a bunch of abilities. Goodness. Okay, first up, breaking news. If an enemy model within 8 inches takes the interact action, she gains focus and draws a card. And you think, oh, why would they take an interact around here? Well, they don't have a choice. Built in on her defense is a mask squeal trigger, which lets her move up to three inches after resolving the action. So kind of get out of uh, any danger she might be in. Taz, don't mind me, so she can take the interact action while engaged. Public outcry, which is very iconic of like how this person would be able to handle a combat situation. That says... If a friendly model, any friendly model, is killed while this model is the crew's leader, then the model that killed them gains distracted one and adversary enemy. So, adversary everyone if they kill one of your models. Exclusive interview is something that happens a lot across the keyword that basically lets you take over the model's interact action if they're within two inches of you. So... Um, if they have to take the interact action or you force them to take the interact action, you get to decide what they do, which is really good. And oh, hey, then you get a focus and a card draw off of that. That's great. If Nelly needs to take the interact action for any reason, she will heal too. And with 12 wounds on that, plus the squeal, she's relatively tanky. Obviously, you don't want her completely in the middle of the fight with a really beady crew. But she can hold her own, survive relatively well. Back of the card, one more question, which has come up a couple times in this 
primer that says they gain slow if they're engaging any models. Keyword engaging, not engaged by, because there are two models in this keyword with an engagement range. No one else has them. Then they suffer one, three, four damage if they're engaging any uh, friendly mo any any models. Technically, built in is the headline secrets exposed that says the enemy must take the interact action. So if she hits someone, she's getting focus and drawing a card. That's pretty much what happens. If you have a mask, you can instead take the slander trigger, which gives them distracted and additional damage if they're close to a scheme marker, which they probably will, because you'll be making them put scheme markers down. Last but not least, con convulsions, which pushes them around, and even more if they decide not to discard a card. Twisting their ideals is their other attack action, which can be really brutal if your opponent's not paying attention. Basically, uh, count every marker within three inches of the target. Every marker, which includes strategy markers, can be scheme, can be corpse, can be scrap, can be strategy, can be um, terrain markers. Terrain markers. Yes, anything. And then you just deal damage to them equal to that number of markers, which can be absurd late game. Easily done seven damage with this when the opponent wasn't looking. And then, if you really want to, because this is a stat 7 against their willpower, you're almost go always going to be hitting it. You can put in that lovely mask to make them take the charge action, which you control. So, plenty of disruption and damage, but uh, they have to be alive for you to be able to use that. But they can uh, be engaged, which is yes, also awesome. Very, very, very good. But, you know, you only have a couple models that can be even engaging them anyways. So... Uh, tactical action, slow news day, that puts up an aura that says enemy, mo enemy models that gain distracted also gain stunned. Really useful. Stunned is very, very powerful in this game, I keep saying. And you have a lot of stuff that puts out distracted. Hey, if they kill one of your own models, then you can put up, uh, put stunned on them if you put this up. Because it goes away at the end of the turn, so you might want to activate her early if that's what you're doing. Has the fake news trigger plus built in that lets you discard up to three cards and draw that many back. Last but not least, for one bonus action, get the story. Push a friendly model towards a scheme marker within six inches, and if they touch it, then you remove the marker, and enemy models within three inches of it gain distracted plus one. So, as like basic as it is, the very simple thing to do is just to have a scheme marker down, put up slow news day, and then do get the story, even on yourself, pulsing out that distracted that your opponent can't deny, and then giving them stunned. Nelly is annoying. And you can't have a newspaper without a printing press. <laughs> oh, yeah, of and course. And that is her totem, <laughs> the printing press. So it is... Uh... He's a four-cost construct uh, enforcer totem. Four health with armor, two. Nice. Um, he's got a good move, sometimes surprising for a totem. Uh, so he's got a good move of five and five defense, low willpower, four. Uh, he is insignificant. He has an ability called You Can't Escape the Truth, which is after an enemy model ends its activation within two of him. The enemy model suffers one damage. But more importantly, he has Arcane Reservoir, which increases that hand size for you up to seven cards. And on his back of card, he has uh, two attack actions. He's got the Propaganda Machine. Uh, this is a range one uh, stat five attack with a built-in tome. Target suffers two, three, four damage. And if, it, if the target is within uh, two inches of a friendly scheme marker, it suffers an additional damage. Also, the built-in trigger is Headline Secrets Exposed. Enemy only target must take the interact action, even if engaged. Uh, so, and we all know that 
Nelly is doing all sorts of terrible things to your models <laughs> if you start taking an interact. So you're forcing that interact with the with the propaganda machine. Also has pot off the presses, uh, which is a six inch range, uh, willpower resisted five stat attack. The target gains burning and is pushed four inches in any direction. I think it's burning too. Yeah. And then its bonus tactical action, you discard a card for uh, spreading the good news. Discard any number of cards for each card discarded by this action. This model heals one. So, tanky little guy despite only having four health. And he's going to be, and you'll notice the theme here, really annoying. (laughs) Also one of the two uh, engagement ranges in the crew. But just due to the ubiquitousness, ubiquity... Uh, ubiquitousness oh god what's the word ubiquitousness i'm gonna go with ubiquitousness please tell me i'm wrong internet go ahead yeah he's almost always going to be at a min three with that attack action which is really nice all right moving on to the henchmen first up fiona gage who is a female version of phineas gage who is a person that kind of got a giant metal rod jammed through his head and managed to survive surprisingly enough despite it you know going through his brain so this is the Malifaux version of that and when that happened fiona got a lovely robot part for her troubles although that seems to occasionally throw her into a red hot rage on occasion due to this she was told you know what uh you're no longer allowed to be a minor sorry ma'am but uh you're, you're retired and this made her very upset so she found purpose with nelly kind of operates as nelly's bodyguard the one other model in the keyword with an engagement range oh, oh the reporter does too i apologize the undercover reporter also has a engagement range but she's defense six, five willpower, five move, armor one, because she's got robot parts, pretty cool, and hard to kill. All right, decently tanky. For cost nine, you're getting ten wounds as well. Has take the hit, which is really key in this crew just because your stuff is relatively squishy, not really good at fighting. So if you need something to stay alive, use Fiona here to take the hit for them. With her armor one and hard to kill... She's going to be able to handle it pretty well, as well as another ability we'll get into right right now. We have the hero that we de- the hero we deserve, which says if she's near a scheme marker, she gains positive flips to oppose duels with any model. So this is on her defense, this is on her willpower, this is on her attacks. So uh, additional plus flips, quite a bit of plus flips. And with Nelly, you're going to be seeing lots of scheme markers, so this is going to be on a lot of the time. Lastly, Grit Frenzied, which says when she's at half wounds, she deals plus one damage on her attacks. Going to the back, Modified Pickaxe, 245 damage track, ignores positive flips. that The enemy ignores positive flips to the resist. So, uh, if for some reason your opponent has positive flips on their defense, they don't get to use them here. Sad, sad Ironsides. Um, it also ignores hard to wound, so a decent amount of damage. Gotten uh, blasts on a sweeping strike trigger and the blank stare trigger on a crow, which says if you discard a card, the target gains slow and must discard a card. So card manipulation getting out slow. Pretty good tar pit model has bring it, which we talked about before. Movement plus two towards this model, and they have to take an attack and a minus flip to a damage if they get the damage. But hopefully you're on. A defense 6 with a positive flip, so very likely for them to miss. But good to get the opponent out of position. 
and has the slander trigger, if you manage to get it off, to give them distracted, which would then mean they're almost definitely going to miss the attack that they're going to be throwing your way. Last but not least, I've got your back that places a friendly model within six inches next to this model, and then you can also have the shove aside trigger on a mask which pushes the target four inches away from Fiona, and then Fiona may push up to four inches and take a melee attack action. Basically, getting your squishy friendly model out of danger and putting Fiona in that danger. Next up, Allison Dade. One cost less than Fiona. This is definitely, like, the named reporter in the journalist keyword. Six on damn defense and willpower, so reflecting Nelly in that. Has manipulative, so it might be better to activate her late because she's giving out negative flips to anyone that's attacking her. A interesting ability called the plot is afoot that gets her fast when your opponent reveals a scheme. Very journalisty. Uh, chasing a story, so she's also getting focused if the enemy is taking a interact. Um, knew you were going to do that, which is a wonderful ability. She discards a card to just say, hey, you know that trigger you declared enemy model within six inches of me? Uh, that trigger doesn't go off. It just doesn't happen. So for a card, you can certainly gum up your opponent's uh, whole strategy, which is just just nice. And of course, exclusive interview, so she's forcing enemy models that take interacts to do the interacts she wants if they're within two inches of her. One more question, which is almost exactly the way... Uh, Nelly has it, but instead of having that built-in trigger to make them take the interact, she has the built-in trigger to give them distracted and plus one damage if they're close to a scheme market. But she still has the trigger to make them take the interact if you have a tome, if you succeed on a tome. Investigative journalist is journalism is her last trigger that deals extra damage and do and is determined by your opponent revealing a card from the control hand. If the card is a weak. Then they take three damage, a moderate of two, and if they reveal a severe card, they take one damage. So, maximum value, you could damage someone for seven if they're engaged with someone. Although that's not going to happen all the time, but, you know, either you get to see a high card out of their hand, or if they happen to have nothing but low cards, deal a good amount of damage to them. A Derringer, if she really needs to shoot someone with the no witnesses trigger, so occasional three damage with that, but it's a ranged attack, so you're going to more likely be out of line of sight or out of range uh, for that qualifier, so hooray for that. Blackmail is our last attack. Excuse <clears throat> me. That forces the mo enemy model to discard up to two cards, and for every card they don't discard, you gain a pass token with a built-in trigger to let her just draw instead of gain those pass tokens. Last but not least, her tactical actions, a bonus action, passion defense, give out shielded plus two. And with a card draw on a tome. So, very good utility piece. All right. Well, do you want to do under court for first? I don't know. Okay. Oh, sure. Since, I'll do it. Since I'll, we're doing enforcer. I will go ahead and do the undercover reporter, the most broken model in guild. Probably not, but it is. It's really good. It's so hey, good. Guess what? What? Guild kind of could use... Yeah, they could use, use a broken They could use a broken model. They could use a broken model. Barrelman is a godsend. He's cost 7, defense 5, willpower 6, has the very crazy ability called Undercover that says it can start buried if it wants to. If it's buried, then during its activation, it may choose an enemy minion model and unbury into base contact with it. And guess what? That menu model then gets 
placed in the enemy's deployment zone. So, hey, that lovely scheme runner, they just got right in place to get a bunch of schemes out and score a bunch of points. Boom, now in the enemy's deployment zone. So sad. Has disguise so it can't be charged. Has an ability that activates when, at the start phase of the turn. So I gotta remember to declare that at the start phase. I keep forgetting to do that. That gives them staggered, but for that cost, gives them shielded plus two. Awesome. Uh, same chasing a story gains focus when enemies take interacts and deadly pursuit, which is very good for scheming, that pushes them four inches at the end phase. So instead of it being a, a move uh, of threat in threat range of 10 inches, you're technically 14 if you're only caring about positioning. Back of the card, hidden blade. Uh, I was, as I said before, I was wrong. This is our third melee engagement range of one inch. Stat five, but. 124 ignoring armor with crit strike built in. So a 235 damage track ignoring armor, which is quite useful. And you're really not expecting a man hiding inside of a barrel to be able to ignore armor. The other attack actions are arson, which lets him blow up a scheme marker doing a shockwave and removing the marker, with the really cool trigger of prepared explosives that lets him say, hey, I can just blow up any scheme marker on the map. Doesn't matter where it is, I can blow it up. Um, just keep in mind you have to actually have a target to begin with, so you have to target some scheme marker, but you can, instead of blowing that one up, blow up any marker on the board. Really annoying. Last is their bonus action, a bonus attack action, Confusion in the Ranks, that forces an enemy minion to take the interact action. And you can target minions while you were buried. This is a lovely ability you can do while you're waiting for that perfect time to unbury and ruin your opponent's plans. Also has a slander trigger. Hooray. Common ability. Last is follow a lead, which lets them discard a scheme marker to move up to six inches. So that uh, twenty, that 14 inches of movement I said you could have over the course of a turn is actually 20 if you want to do it that way. So... Very good at scheming, very good at anti-scheming. Uh, this guy's gotten me so many sticking points, it's it's glorious. I imagine he's also a really good uh, target for Vendetta. Ooh, well... The Hidden Blade. Yeah, with the Hidden Blade, but he doesn't want to be hitting things above him. Unless you, just, it just, you, unless you just want that second point for Vendetta. Um, I mean, he can if you really want to throw him into it, but I've gotten most of my use out of him is um, obviously like Breakthrough and yeah. uh, what's the one where you got to be next to enemy models? Catch and release. No, that's, no, that's, that's, min that's minion. That's minion only. Yeah. Let me see. I'm getting tired. I can't. Take prisoner. All right. Ah, there we go. Yeah, he's great at take prisoner, especially when the prisoner, oh, yeah. the prisoner is the minion that you teleported back to their starting zone, and you like did it immediately, so they're a couple inches away. You could actually get pretty sneaky with him um, in claim jump too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Plenty, plenty, plenty of useful things to do to use these guys for. Just, just great. Okay, you can finally talk now. Yeah. Go ahead and talk about so, uh, field reporters. So journalists need people in the field. So we've got the field reporters, and these are the minion that comes with the Nelly box itself. Um, and so they've got, you know, um, a lot of the, the usual journalist stuff. So they've got the exclusive interview. Um, they've got chasing a story, which uh, the after an enemy model within eight resolves the interact, they gain the focus plus one. Uh, they also... Uh, 
for a minion, it's pretty awesome. They have Serene Countenance, so it's really, really hard to hit them with their uh, <laughs> negatives that they're forcing onto you. Mm -hmm. um, and with them having uh, six health and uh, fives for their defensive stats, they're you know not going to be complete slouches. Uh, they also have a, you can't escape the truth, which is after an enemy model ends its activation within two, uh, the enemy model suffers one damage. Uh, so going after them. It seems like it's going to be a real annoying challenge, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, so they also have humiliation, which is enemy models that start their activation within two inches of the model must also uh, must discard a card. So they're going to punish you for going after them. They only have two things on the back of their card, but both are pretty good. So they have for their attack action flash photography. It's a range of six, uh, stat six, targeting willpower. And the target gains Distracted plus one and Staggered. Both are good, especially in this crew of being annoying. Hmm. Um, they also have two triggers. They have the Slander trigger, which we've uh, heard all about. They also have Convulsions, which we've also heard all about. So with a Mask or a Crow, they can really throw even more issues with conditions or um, maneuverability, placing the opponent model in a place you don't want them to be. So, And then finally, they also have... The follow a lead just like the undercover reporter, so they can discard a target scheme marker and gain uh, a six-inch move. So uh, these guys also can, or gals, I should say, should can all get a uh, 16 inches of movement in a turn themselves, um, and don't have to necessarily be afraid of folks necessarily coming after them because they're going to pay big time for coming after them. Doesn't mean that people won't try or that you yeah. can't take them out, but. Somebody trying to go and uh, mix them up in melee or other uh, typical non-ranged uh, scheme uh, scheme runner hunters are gonna uh, have a really annoying time dealing with the field reporter. Okay. Next is the false witness. We already went over how they worked. Uh, super annoying. Turning off the ability to cheat wholesale, putting people on negatives to willpower duels, which I think is a little bit more effective here because of so. Many willpower duels in this crew, just even with one more question, being able to put out slow on that 1-3-4 damage track. Very useful for these guys. Yeah, uh, they work in the exact same way. Super annoying. But you're bringing Fiona, so Fiona can keep them alive a little bit better than Lucius can. That's it. That's false witness. What about our last children? So, when you got a newspaper, you gotta have folks who can hawk those newspapers for you and let everybody know what's going on and that's the newsies uh so nelly is employing all these uh entrepreneurial youth to uh go and do her bidding throughout malifaux uh so these uh these kids um are cost four four health four for their defenses uh but a five move they are manipulative so again it's gonna be a little bit tougher to uh get those attack actions in on them until they've activated uh, they have the Chasing st uh, uh, Story ability. They have Read All About It, which is after an enemy model within eight draws a card, this model may discard a card to draw a card, so even more card draw. Uh, they have the Puny ability, which is that they do not drop any markers when they're killed, and they have no engagement range. They also have Innocent Bystander, just like the False Witness. So again, hey, attack actions without a TN uh, suddenly have a TN of 12. Uh, which is really annoying. So the Newsy also has uh, two attack actions and one tactical. They have Frantic Flailing, which is their uh, range zero stat four uh, melee attack, which is not great. Uh, at a one, two, three. But they do have uh, some uh, reposition trigger. They also have grab on, so the target gains slow. And But then you have uh, end the activation for the Newsy. 
They also have Throne Newspaper, which is an 8-inch range with a 5-tome built in. Uh, target suffers 1-1-2 one, one, damage and must either discard a card at random or gain distracted plus 1. <laughs> uh, and the built-in trigger is Headline Secrets Exposed, which we've talked about. It's the enemy-only target must take the interaction action, even if it's engaged. And then they also have the Slander trigger. Uh, and then uh, the fun bonus tactical action they have is Frantic Search. It's 2-inch range. You remove a target corpse marker. You discard the top card of the uh, of your fate deck. If the discarded card was a ram or a tome, add one soulstone to the crew soulstone pool. So fun little annoying guys for cost of four. Uh, do you have anything to add about these guys? I've not had them hit the. Uh, they are your cheapest source of scheme markers. If for some reason you need to put them out, I like bringing these guys so that I don't feel too bad about wasting their AP to put down scheme markers. But also. Throw newspaper is actually pretty darn good. For a stat 5, you're getting the force them to do an interact action that the only person in the crew that has that built in is Nelly herself. But also, the distracted that comes with it is really nice to proc her uh, slow news day. Nice. Also, for funsies, it's, it's hilarious. I haven't done this. I really want to. Turn them into death marshals using a death marshal recruiter. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Uh, okay, so that is the journalist keyword done. That is all the keywords done. Let's quickly cover the versatiles and get out of here because we're at like almost five hours of recording time. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, first up, our puppet boy. Yeah. Do you want to just? Uh, do you want me to just do both of them? Together? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So we've got the brutal. All as we know, the all the factions have a emissary, and the emissary and effigy for uh, guild is the brutal ones. And so the brutal effigy is a four costed, just like all the others. Armor like all the others. Hard kill like all the others. Accomplice. Um, he has the before and after in the helping hand. I think actually all of those abilities, if I recall correctly, are the same as any of the other mm -hmm. front of card abilities, I think, for the effigy. So what separates this one is that uh, he is got the pine box, just like the Death Marshals, and he's got a little pine box on his back, and the target gains distracted, plus one, and is buried. Um, all the similar stuff. The stat is a, quite a bit lower, because it's only a stat of one. Uh, he also has a revolver with a stat of four. Um, not the greatest, but what the reason you're taking him is usually to turn him into the emissary uh, but he does have his tactical action aura vengeance it's a three inch aura basically until the end phase after friendly model ends its activation within range that model heals one if it damaged an enemy model during that activation which hey guess what guild is going to do a lot of the time or one two three if it killed an enemy model but like i said the reason you're taking them is for the emissary fate upgrade to turn them into the brutal emissary brutal emissary is awesome uh he is uh <laughs> so it is a big scary ram skulled giant um that is uh just going to wreck your day uh so he is a uh, defense six he's got a he's size four he's got a six move five willpower he's got armor one he's got terrifying 11 he's got hard to kill uh, he has con uh, crowd control, which I love, which is enemy models within six inches cannot take actions unless it is their activation. So you're really, any of those like force multipliers or uh, obeys and things like that, it's really going to mess those days up for those masters and those crews. Uh, he has 10 health, 
He has a great sword, just like Lady J, uh, with some interesting triggers, including heave, so he places the target anywhere within three inches of him. He has the sweeping strike to gain blasts on the melee three, four, five uh, track. Uh, he has knock aside to push the target four inches in any direction. He has way better than just the pine backs. He has into the cage, which is a two inch range instead of a zero inch range. Uh, stat four against size, uh, enemy only. Target gets buried, and when the target activates, it must pass a TN 13 willpower duel. It passes uh, similar to the others that unburies in base contact with this model, but his two triggers are reposition as well as leeching strength. So anyway, leeching strength is you choose a buried model, the chosen model suffers one damage, and then the model heals one. You also have its tactical actions. Uh, a cage for all is one of them. Uh, this is a three-inch aura um, with a stat of six, target number ten. Tillian phase, enemy models that activate within range must pass a TN-13 move duel or gain slow. So it's a slow aura. Uh, you can also, within that aura, have friendly models within range heal one on a uh, ram trigger. And then, similarly to the effigy, it also has that aura of vengeance bonus action. Uh, fun fact about this brutal emissary, like I said before, he is undead, so when you take him with a domador, you're going to get extra actions out of it. Alright, next up is the guild's model from the Crossroads 7. We're talking about Greed. The, goodness, depending on what you read is either the um, rhythm guitarist or the only guitarist, depending. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pride is either uh, the lead guitarist or the banjo player, depending. Maybe both, who knows. But she's bringing in um, defensive tech being her manipulative and a defensive trigger that deals damage to the enemy model if they don't discard a soul stone. Um, and soul stones are kind of her thing. So if an enemy model uses a soul stone, they get a greed, they get a sin token, and then when they try to use it again, she can take a sin token from them to basically negate that use of the soul stone and steal it for herself. Guitar bash on the back of her card, something she can hit people with, can give out stunned, um, a little bit of damage as well. Unchecked Avarice is, I would probably say, her main attack, where you deal damage to the enemy model equal to the number of friendly models uh, to itself within three inches. So, bubble crews better be worried about this. As well, a trigger that will deal extra damage to an enemy model with an attached upgrade unless they discard that upgrade. So... And, oh, damage, uh, 2, 3, 4 damage and injured too, so pretty, pretty brutal uh, effect if you don't discard that upgrade. Although some weird anti-synergy against summoners for some reason. Last but not least, uh, Destructive Performance, all they have that uh, remove a sin token from enemy models nearby to deal 3 damage to them. And Frantic, frantic Search, which the Newsy also had that says, discard the top card from your... Draw a pile, and if it's a ram or a tome, can add a soulstone to your cache. That is greed. So next up, we have the guild steward, a unfortunately look, unfortunate looking model, but <laughs> a a really solid uh, enforcer to take, especially if there's. Uh, I like taking him to punish crews that are going to try and kill him. So uh, he has uh, six health, five uh, five move. Kind of a low defense of four decent willpower. He's got companions, so he can activate immediately after another model if you discard. 
Uh, he's got protection money, which is uh, after an enemy scheme marker is dropped within six inches, he may draw a card. Uh, he's got six health, and then he's got a demise ability, which is so good. Uh, <laughs> it is demise reprisal. After this model is killed by an enemy model, that model suffers four, six, eight damage. So unlike Lady J's, you know, defensive trigger, where it still has to have quantify as a melee action, right? Any model who kills him is just going to take a four, six, eight damage flip. That guess what? You can cheat. <laughs> Ugh. So, he is, he's rough. So if uh, he is, you know, burying, you know, the the token in Corrupted Ley Lines, or if he is, you know, who you're using for scheming for this or that, um, the enemy tries to go and actually kill him, well, you're going to make them pay big time. So, he's taken somebody with him, generally. The back of his card also has some useful abilities, though. He's got Sharp Wit, uh, which is the one-inch uh, melee range um, willpower attack that uh, target gains slow. He also has a trigger on it for a mask called Boring Topic, which is anything within three inches must also pass a target number 12 willpower duel or gain slow, so he can kind of pulse it out. He also is another stat six dispel magic, so he can end a condition, and he's got the galvanize uh, trigger on a mask, uh, which is another friendly model within three inches of this model, gains focus plus one, so he can end a condition on one and then give out focus to another. And then speaking of focus, he also, similar to Dashiell, has that foul-mouthed motivation so that he can heal a model and give them focused. So overall, a, a nice utility piece at a uh, cost of six. You'll, you'll see him fairly often in a lot of different guild crews, especially you know if you want to have a scheme runner that you know is somebody's going to try and go after so you might as well make them pay for it big time and i've had this guy like kill like beefy henchman masters before and it's fun okay next up a versatile henchman in dr grimwell stanley grimwell who runs the smedley's asylum don't ask what happened to dr smedley um he is a pretty brutal murder piece um but that takes a little bit of setup when he gets going he's pretty awful um can turn off models if they're staggered and he's engaged with them as far as like scoring for strategy in the schemes this is really nice um when he targets an enemy model with staggered he gains a crow to the attack which is something he absolutely wants when he kills something he draws a card so he's he's kill focused with a little bit of uh, movement shenanigans which we'll see Real quick, his main attack is Skull Saw, 235 damage track, and they must discard a card or gain Injured plus two. Now, Injured without needing a trigger, and especially Injured more than Injured one, is really good in this game. Basically, you're setting up any model you hit with this to just get brutal, brutally killed with for, by anything in, else in the crew. On top of that, gains Crit Strike, which he doesn't have built in, but he has other good things, um, on a single crow. So you're really hoping for that staggered here they have to discard a card on a double crow which means that you'll need to flip it and use a soul stone or have them be staggered and use a soul stone or have them be staggered and you flip the card or slash cheat is lobotomy which you can declare once per activation and they take extra damage equal to their control hand. Now, they are allowed to discard as many cards as they want, and that damage caps out at a 3, but at this point, you are looking at minimum 5 damage on a model, which is really nice. Prepare for Surgery is one of his two different 
movement shenanigans that pushes friendly asylum models towards the target model if they're within six inches of it, which includes himself. And then that model takes damage equal to the number of asylum models uh, within one inch of it, as well as uh, a bit of card draw and his way, his only way of giving out staggered, but there's other ways to give out staggered in this faction. Last but not least is bonus action, Doctor's Orders, that lets him discard a card and push any friendly model within six inches, four inches, which includes himself. So any good doctor will tell you that, you know, that they're only as good as the nurses that they work with. And Grimwell works with Nurse Heartsbane. Uh, she is an enforcer who also shares the asylum keyword. And she deals out a lot of staggered. So let's talk about her. <laughs> she, uh, she has the research uh, specimens ability. So after she kills an enemy, she can draw a card. She has Serene Countenance, which we've talked about and how awesome that is. Uh, she has restraints. Enemy models with staggered that are engaged by this model are also ignored by their controller for the purposes of strategies and schemes. So she does the canceling as well. She also has a defensive uh, trigger on a mask called regret, which is after resolving if uh, the action was a melee action and this model suffered damage, you can immediately end the attacking model's activation. Uh, she's got seven health at a seven cost, so she's not the beefiest, but at the same time with Serene Countenance, uh, and if you get that regret trigger off, you can just end whatever is attacking her in, in melee especially. So, what is she good at? So, she has two attack actions. Both are nasty. Uh, one is Electroshock Machine. This one does have a kind of a more limited range of zero, but as you just heard with uh, Grimwell, he's got the ability to kind of move around his fellow Asylum models. But it does have a status six and a damage track of two, four, five. Uh, she has a trigger to throw out Staggered. She also has a Convulsions trigger, which we've talked about, which is the moving uh, the target three inches and then the target has to discard or move or she moves three inches uh up to it or can just move to, uh, three inches sorry uh she also has straight jacket which is a big deal that is a 10 inch range attack uh that you can do you know at range or in melee uh stat of six against willpower the target must be engaged with a friendly model but the target gains staggered and must either discard a card or gain slow so getting staggered and losing a card or staggered and getting slow is not fun and you couple that with coordinated attack as one of her triggers and suddenly you have uh, grimwell attacking somebody with the staggered and it's going to be really ugly for them additionally she has on a crow trigger days which uh, the target gains stunned and is pushed three inches in any direction and then her bonus action is creep along which you push the model let's move in inches towards a friendly model in line of sight so she can either give, uh, she can end up getting 15 extra inches of movement, uh, or not extra, but 15 inches of movement on her turn as well. A nasty, nasty support piece, especially for getting staggered out there, and then canceling the ability for a model to count for schemes and strategies. Okay, last Asylum keyword model is the Orderly, which is the minion. Um, nifty little five-cost models with uh, six move, hard to wound, so, decent little speed bumpy tar pits or someone you can run out to do some scheming if you need them to do it. Has the restraints ability that the Asylum keyword has, turning off models' ability to score if they're staggered and 
engaged by this model. And also, they put models on negative flips for disengaging actions. So, adding to its tar pettiness, it has one attack action that deals a 1-3-4 damage track, can stagger or give out poison if you get those triggers. Last but not least, a tactical action that for a 4 can heal a model within 2 inches, including itself for 1, 2, 3. So a little bit of utility on these guys. You can definitely find a place to use them. Especially if you go Asylum Keyword and take uh, Grimwell as your leader, which you can do. Yeah. All right. So. That's big boy. Yep. Last but not least, we have the Pale Rider, who is probably, I would say, the most ubiquitous, versatile uh, model in Guild currently. Mm -hmm. oh, um, I, should, I should quickly say that we're just not going to cover the Peacekeeper. We already did that. Yeah. He killed things. So the Pale Rider is an Enforcer. Uh, he costs 11. He has 9 health. He has very high stats, uh, st or de uh, defensive stats. Defense 6, willpower 7. He's got a 7 move because he's on a horse, and even though it's dead, it is still a horse, so it's going to move fast. It is important to also note that he is undead, so those Domadors are also going to have a lot of fun with this guy. The He's got unimpeded, so he ignores uh, severe terrain. He's got hard to wound. He is ruthless. He has chasing fate just uh, with a ram instead. So similar to all the other writers that we see, they can each turn gain a number of fate tokens that they can use to add uh, rams to the final du dual totals. Or you can just save them and continue to accrue them throughout the game to use for really crazy stuff. So they also have a defensive trigger that is a ram, which is Forging War, where they, when resolving, reduce the damage uh, the model suffers for each uh, by one for each ram in its final dual total. So end game, you are you know if it's still up, chances are with a bunch of fate tokens, it's probably not going to take any of that damage. Uh, and then last but not least, it has Gunfighter, so it can turn its uh, shoot actions into a one-inch uh, melee action. So as far as its attack actions, it only has one, which is its pneumatic rifle with a 12-inch range and a stat 6. It's got a 2-4-5 damage track, and then it's got one ram trigger, which is final breath. The target gains staggered and injured plus X, where X is equal to the number of rams in this model's final dual total. So you could end up putting like injured 5 on something mid or late game if you so chose, which would be really, really nasty, especially coupled with stagger to make sure something's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> really good, especially against highly mobile crews where you have to worry about uh, their mobility and being an issue for you. You can either at range or charging up to it uh, with a pneumatic rifle stagger them and get that injured in to make it easier for everybody else to hit them. So <clears throat> then as far as its tactical actions, it's got Ride With Me, which we've talked about with the um, the Mounted Guard and the Rough Riders. Uh, no triggers on that, but super useful. And it's one of the main reasons I think that you probably see the Pale Rider is that he's going to you know be tanky and beefy and have a, a, a ruthless you know get around of terrifying and manipulative while also being able to get some extra movement for guild, which guild generally suffers at movement tricks. So, And then finally, just like the other writers, it has its special, unique tactical action, and so for this one it is Revel in Conflict. Uh, it is a 6-inch pulse with a stat of 6 and target number 12 with a ram. Uh, so you need a 6 of rams at least to get this off. Uh, and it's friendly models within range heal 1 or heal 2 if they are engaging an enemy model. It's got three triggers um, with increasingly difficult 
high number rams for each one. So the first one, um, three rams, is diminished pain. Friendly models within range gain shielded plus two and end the injured condition if able. On four rams, they have devastation, which is enemy models within range suffer two irreducible damage and gain burning plus one. And on five rams, they have hatred unleashed, which is each any, uh, each friendly model within range may also uh, or sorry may take a melee action or the charge action. So late game with hatred unleashed, you can end up healing. Uh, your friendlies all within that 6-inch pulse, which on a 50mm base model is a pretty big uh, bubble. And then every one of your friendlies can get a free attack and, or make a charge and then an attack. Which is pretty gross in Guild and with a lot of those... Uh, what Guild is good at especially is uh, making attacks and, and having very deadly attacks. So getting an extra one off of the Pale Riders bonus action is uh, nothing to sneeze at, especially on turns 4 and 5. So, so that's the Pale Rider. You will see him a lot just because of the mobility, like I said, and the tankiness and, and everything that he brings to the table um, is a lot of things that Guild elsewhere is kind of weak, weak at. Okay, that is every model in the Guild faction. And clocking in quite a few hours, we've, I think we thoroughly covered everything. But yeah, hopefully you've got a good idea of what you want to play in this faction or if you want to play this faction at all. hope we did a good job conveying the theme and the play style of all these guys. So thank you, Rob, for joining us and bringing your great knowledge of this faction. Thank you for having me, Doug. Always a pleasure. Yeah, great. And thank you, listener. And as I always say, fun is always king. Have a good night or a good morning or whatever. Goodbye. Thank you. songs used in this production are Villainous Treachery and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.